Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, Star Trek edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. I feel like I'm being made to do this. Hey, it's week 77. We did a lot of these things, for sure. It's starting to feel like a lot of them. I like. I think you said on air, we've done more than half of the episodes in our remit now. Yeah. So, so. I, I wish we were at 99% or something, though. Oh, that'd be amazing. How good would that fucking feel? That'd be super cool. Uh, unfortunately, at 99%, we'd still have, I think, four or five weeks left to go. Because there's like 680 total episodes. And uh, the last two or three weeks are TNG only. Ugh. So <laughs> we'd still be looking at a solid two two months of this. Okay, but surely we must be at 90-something percent of the TOSs. Uh yeah. Uh well, we are we have two we have 379ths left to go. So, uh what is that? No. Yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 we are. Uh, 90 about 95% roughly. So, you know, hey. Hey everybody. Let's just do it. I don't even want to talk about it. Let's just do it. Uh, uh finishing last last week was Voyager. Uh this week we watched Random Thoughts. that uh that's get him eat him a contemporary Tolarian musical form <laughs> it's good hold on hold on one second hold on one second let me check my notes um oh boy what is the musical note what is the musical style they do in that it is uh, i fucking straight the albara the albara the albara yeah so is it in, is it an albara i mean basically okay. uh we can get to it but i think in my notes when uh when Picard walks in on him, I, I said he was listening to the band Frog Eyes, which is on the same record label as Get Him, Eat Him. So, Well, this, surely this is the week Voyager turns it around. I can feel yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is the one. Uh, Voyager has been chilling on the Mari homeworld, having a good old time. Um, yep. TP and Neelix chat about Neelix's new girlfriend down on the planet. I can't. At this point, I couldn't believe we had to do this. Meanwhile, Janeway and Torres are bartering on the planet. Oh, I want to say this, right? Um, ah, sorry. That's at the end of this episode. Okay, I was I was mad that Janeway was really leaning into it this week. Yeah, like they've just been. They're just. This is another time where we visit them about three days into a visit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, they ain't going nowhere. They're going nowhere fast. Anyway, they're bartering with some dude to get some part for I don't, the engine. I don't fucking care. Doesn't matter. Um, some dude bumps into Torres. And she, she really overreacts. She gives yeah, a real, well, she, hey, watch it! And she's, like, going to punch him in the head. You may know about her that 
she has hella emotional issues. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, they'll tell us 19 times in this episode all about that. Um, but anyway, she doesn't hit him, and everything seems to go on like normal. Uh, Tuvok and a policewoman talk about the total lack of crime on this planet, so we know what's next. <laughs> the guy who bumped into Bellana does a real nasty beatdown on some other rando at the market, and uh, he's like, I, don't, I have no idea why I did that. Credits. He is screaming stuff like, that'll teach you to bump into me. Yes. While he's, while he's beating around. Which is weird because he's the guy who bumped into somebody. You know what's weird is that I always feel like I have to telegraph it less than the writers do. When I'm doing yeah. my description, I don't want to give away the whole episode. Even though the real writers don't care. <laughs> the real writers in scene one are like, oh, he's saying the thing that Bellana said earlier. So he's <laughs> clearly he got it out of her head or whatever. Uh, credits. Uh, Tuvok and police lady are having an extremely racist conversation about how superior each of their species is Yep. when she gets called back to investigate that beating. Um, since there are, like, no cops on this damn planet, except this lady, and maybe, like, I don't know, three others are implied. Uh, and she tells them they've all, like, retired. Yeah, they got no cops, so she's got to talk to Janeway about it on site. <laughs> she's like, I don't know, what did you see? You're basically the police here. Hey, I forgot how to do this. What's you, going on? Do you, do you, did you see it? I don't know. Anyway, uh, Tuvok immediately realizes this biddy is suspicious of Voyager's crew. And sure enough, she straps Janeway and Torres and Neelix into a thought reader and interrogates them to figure out what they know. Hey, I haven't really said it, but these people are telepathic. Right. Um, eventually, it comes out that uh, Torres's mad overreaction about getting bumped into uh is the cause of this attack maybe because she had a violent thought is that legal on their world to have a violent thought it is told we are told it is not legal and is that this it solved all one crime. of the designated enforcement zones <laughs> it's, it's a different episode stop it you know that the Edo it's always not. it's always sad particularly when it's one so young <laughs> but i do have the hypodermic right anyway here, i have it right here <laughs> so we're just gonna do it um uh, okay, so Torres is placed under arrest for thought crimes or whatever. Uh, this lady says, no, Mari has violent thoughts, so Balana is the only cause, and the sentence is the removal of the memory engrams um, from her and from the, the guy who did the crime. But what about everyone in the market who saw that? Anyway, um, which uh, comes with the risk of brain damage of some kind. Yeah, it's not, it, by the way, it's never clear if the risk is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lady seems to not lead with it, and I couldn't tell if that's because she didn't want to get a fuss out of them, or if it's because it's a marginal risk. I don't know. What she doesn't say is, I don't know, you guys are fucking aliens. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what our it's, shit's going to do to you. Honestly, it's, <laughs> it's kind of whack that the scientists even think it'll work. <laughs> yeah. well, uh, we're familiar with Dr. Pulaski's technique, but we don't think much of it. Well, nobody should, because it breaks the whole show. Um, uh, Janeway asks for time to review the evidence, and uh, they give her a day. So now it's a courtroom episode, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Tuvok's on the case. Um, TP goes to Chaco and suggests a commando raid to save Bolano. Mm -hmm. Even saying things like, they're a bunch of pacifists, they're no match for us. Right. What a wonderful character they've lovingly created. Well, that's his girlfriend they're talking about. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Tuvok and Janeway. She might forget a day. 
Tuvok, Tuvok and Janeway discover that uh, this guy, Frain, not Scrain, Frain. That's Frain. He's a habitual line stepper, quote. I think she <laughs> says that in there. Tuvok confronts police lady about it, and she gets real sensitive and whiny about how she feels attacked. And then he and this police lady break up, I guess. I mean, things are a little different after that. You know, they're not as friendly anymore. I wonder if he ever told her he had a wife. He never says it in the episode, for sure. Oh, okay. I'm not sure the writers remember that. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't wear a ring. That's all I'm saying, Tuvok. We all know what you're doing. Yeah, I'm fucking creeping on aliens across the fucking galaxy. They ain't gonna know. Seven and Neelix are chatting in the market, and uh, she says what we're all thinking, that Voyager is dumb for real, just always fighting with every <laughs> fucking alien they meet because they suck balls and they can't bother to do any research before meeting anybody. <laughs> Then Neelix's girlfriend gets stabbed to death after an old lady gets a violent thought in her mind. Yeah. Uh, n- I should say, Namira, that's the police lady. Uh, she beams up and asks Tuvok for his help. Uh, he arranged uh, to meet with Balana, and then he does what he terms a, a limited mind melt <laughs> right. on her. In it, uh, he sees that the guy she and Janeway were bartering with um, was a real creeper. Yeah. And she's like, oh, how come I didn't remember what a creeper that guy was? So now he's gone to this guy. So um, when he goes to see that guy, that guy also creeps on Tuvok. He gets all horny about Tuvok's violent thoughts. So now we know who's to blame for this. Um, But in case we were wrong, the guy walks right to his secret violent thoughts warehouse with Tuvok following, (laughs) like seven feet behind him. (laughs) Is this show even fucking real? Hey, you gotta remember, these people don't have no cops. I understand There's that. no cops left on this planet. Everyone's a telepath. I don't know how they're hiding this. But that don't make no sense, but you're right that this guy, like, he doesn't even turn around no. and wait for Tuvok to leave. He's just like, alright, you wanna go to the black market? <laughs> even with them, You wanna go to the illegals? Even with the shocking naivete of those people, what, what explains Tuvok's great skills at following people? <laughs> he, was, he almost like stepped on the guy's feet. He was walking so close to him. He for sure got caught. Yes, well, when Tuvok is made, because he's bad at keeping his distance, like an old Grand Theft Auto 3 mission where you have to follow someone, but you can't get too close. I always hate those missions. Yeah, they weren't very good. Um, He covers himself by going, oh, no, I'm here for the violent images. The the thoughts? Are you down? And the guy's like, yeah, sure. I'm to- I totally believe you. I'm from a nasty race, and we have vile thoughts that you're going to love. Uh, we get some hilarious images from this creeper's head that are supposed to be, I don't know, scary or whatever. A lot of them are stills from the movie Inner Space. Are they really? Yeah. It's <laughs> whatever was in the Paramount uh, B-roll catalog. It was very embarrassing to watch. Uh, then it's Tuvok's turn. But Tuvok decides to, like, I think he's bored or something because he does his big accusing <laughs> parlor scene early. Um... <laughs> It's, it's really intimate this time. It's just the two of them. But then this guy's friends show up and they stop Tuvok from taking the guy into custody and they beat Tuvok up pretty badly. Because, again, he just he couldn't... He, like, he followed the guy too close and then he accused too early. He's not good at this. No. There's kind of no... There's not enough crime on board Voyager and there's not enough cops on this planet. Nobody knows how to do this. Yeah. Uh, Janeway's not allowed to send any more people down to the surface to look for a missing Tuvok, and Balana is brought in to get her memories wiped, so they're, they're going forward with it. Uh, the porn swappers, or whatever they are, get all kinds of bad stuff from Tuvok's mind, including the nemesis. I seen him. 
That, oh, yeah. Yeah, the one who nullied all those dudes. I see. Yeah, he there. was in there. Um, I mean, Tuvok was on that planet for one second, so. <laughs> and he even appeared as one to Chaco. That's right. But uh, he reaches out and does a mind meld on this guy in a grody Star Trek Six kind of way where he he imagines himself killing the creeper in the mind meld. Anyway, he wipes the floor with this guy in his mind. Um, I guess until the guy gave up. Probably. I don't know. They kind of cut away. I don't know. Did he mind meld fight all three dudes there? Uh, they're telepaths. Maybe they were just getting it. They were just looking at the same time. <laughs> they didn't like it either. Yeah, they were like, oh, sh- hey, we're in too deep. Because he had two friends with him, but we only see Tuvok mind meld the one guy. Anyway. He one be- of those guys was like, what's with this Brocktoon stuff? <laughs> he beams up with the dude, and then Balana's operation is halted uh, because of the new evidence. And Tuvok... Tuvok tells the police lady everything they know. I don't know if I explained clearly, but one guy was trading in nasty thoughts, and they purposely drew one out of Balana, and it caused all these problems. Yeah, this scene at the beginning where I thought Balana was getting pickpocketed mm-hmm. because the guy ran into her just like a pickpocket would do. It was a kind of pickpocket. It was for it a nasty was thought. It was mental pick, pickpocketing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he tells her about this vast black market conspiracy, though he only has seen three guys. And... Um, uh, Janeway says in her final log, who cares what happens to these dirtbags? It's time to go. And Tuvok and Balana chatted up. He says some very bigoted stuff about Klingons. Seven walks into Janeway's office and says, this is dumb. Stop doing, I was telling Neelix this earlier. Stop doing this. Just go home to the Alpha Quadrant. And Janeway goes, says you. <laughs> yep. She says it doesn't matter that she almost lost two senior officers today for nothing. And then we're finally out of this episode. Yeah. So, they, they turned it around. I can feel it. I know the scores are going to be pretty big on this one. What is it? Uh, uh, so, Ben's take on this is violence is an addiction and is therefore destructive. And he thinks that's five points. Um, I, ooh, I, this, is, this one is such a huge mess. Yeah, I mean, if I guess if we were that weird telepathic society and had all of their exact their exact setup and all of their issues, maybe violence would be an addiction and very destructive. I don't know. There's something going on here, and like the closest I can come on this one is if you try to ban something that's innate to people, all you do is drive it underground. Yeah, I came close to you on this. It's kind of like an anti, maybe anti-censorship message, or maybe anti-war on drugs. Yeah, maybe they definitely needed to make a stronger parallel then. Yeah, it's like a lot of... I here's the thing, just, there's no one on the side of, but violence is just great. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Here, Here is the thing. This starts out like it's going to be an episode about thought crime or self-incrimination or something like we're gonna have a real courtroom scene about yeah. this evidence is nah they don't care nah, it turns out it was all set up and it's like i don't know where it leaves us i gave it i'm giving it two points i'm giving it two points for an attempt to maybe say something about what you can and can't ban but yeah. it's they don't there's nothing clear there's nothing clear that's said in this episode yeah. It's just a bunch of shit that happened. 
I, in space. I gave it a three for a sort of a crystallized version of what you were saying. I said, even in an appalling police state, there will always be crime. <laughs> yeah. So not as helpful as like a suggestion about how to minimize crime or like how to set up your justice system or anything. But at least I guess putting all those thought police states on notice. It's uh, I don't know. It's like how the high ground kind of doesn't have a satisfying take. <laughs> yeah, we were looking forward to it for so long, and then we watched it and went, but what's it about, huh. though? Huh. It's about terrorism, I think. So is that thing he said about George Washington? <laughs> is it about freedom fighters versus... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this one is even less. This one's like, I, I don't... I, I, again, all I can think is, if you're if you're a fucking police state, if you're the fucking thought police, watch out because there's still going to be crime. But like, who's that for? I don't know. Uh, I mean, fascists, I guess. Yeah. All those fascists that love Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> Boy, just like how shocked I was when you told me that the guy who plays Barkley is some kind of right wing nut. Right. Imagine how great it would be to find out that Star Trek Voyager was the flag show, flagship show of the fucking extreme right or whatever. Uh, that's, that would be wild, huh? <laughs> um, all right, well, flipping it uh, around. What did they do with that scene where Chakotay's like, no one used their tricorder? <laughs> that's right, let's be sensitive. These guys are dead, don't scan them. They're in their graves. Uh, turn it around, on, yeah. Yeah, please tell me how you thought they executed. Uh, I'm gonna start with Ben, he gave it a one, um... I can't say I'm surprised. He's, uh, some things in here. So Balana is an angry one and doesn't hit the guy. Man, I do that like five times a day. I specifically call this out as a huge overreaction by Balana, but I guess Ben's saying he's all in. She's definitely not on her diplomatic behavior down there. Like, people do things whenever I'm outside. Like, if, if I, someone ran into me at work, I definitely would react differently than if someone ran into me at the grocery store. But, I, okay, I can be outside for, like, 20 minutes and, like, 35 aggravating things happen. Yeah. And none of the times do I turn around and ball up my fist. No. Right? It, so, but Ben's like, oh, this is me. This is this is exactly me. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if that seems, that seems like a lie. One time I was having dinner with Ben and Erica. Katie was there. She remembers this story. We love <laughs> We love this story. I hope, we're I at, hope Ben's okay with this story. We're at Talake Pake. And you know what they got there is mm-hmm. uh, Super Chevelas. Yeah. And that's uh, two beers in a huge glass. And then there's a shot of tequila in there. Do and uh, some lime juice. And it's got a salted rim. It's a real, real good drink. Yes. Uh, a waiter came to clear the table and took Ben's Super Chevela glass away with two milliliters of beer <laughs> left in the bottom. Yep. And Ben got up and stormed over to where this guy had bust all the stuff and grabbed his drink and downed it right there and came back. <laughs> so, um, it seems like we there's three there's three ends of, of this spectrum. I'm on one end where stuff doesn't aggravate me that much, mm. and I definitely agree that her reaction was not normal. You get aggravated all the time, but Constantly. apparently you're holding it in, yes. real Tuvok style. You've got <laughs> some horrible shit going on Dude, in there I got the- that you are just. You've just got it locked down tight. Dude, in my brain, people are getting nullied all the time. Well, Ben's right out the Bologna Torres <laughs> for this one. Uh, let's see. 
he also says, I think we're learning a lot about Ben in this one, actually. He says, the <laughs> chief engineer is going to be mind wiped, and Janeway doesn't think, I could glass this entire planet with Voyager. <laughs> is that what well, she Tom sh- Paris does. Is that what she should, yeah, but I, is that what she should think? Uh, no. No, I don't think so, right? I don't know. It seems, no. I don't know if Ben was just on one when he was doing this. Uh, I don't think, I don't know if Janeway says the words prime directive in this one. Oh, I don't think it I think we're up. just left to assume that that's what's keeping her from taking any action or being proactive in any way. I'm not going to lie. I haven't heard that mentioned in a long time. I don't think they care anymore. I mean, Chakotay came in and said, we can't keep doing this, right? Is that we when can't he do said, the Starfleet rules? I was going to say, is that when he said they had to do it the Maquis way, or was that a different time? Uh, that was when he punched that dude. <laughs> yeah, Yo, you want to do it like the Maquis, huh? Do it the Ben way. And we know that uh, Janeway does not care for treaties. No. but So it is a, well, we, we'll get to it in characterization, but in this one, you know, post-Anorax, <laughs> this version of Janeway is going to lodge a diplomatic protest via Neelix and have Investigator Tuvok... Just hope that Investigator Tuvok turns up something. Yep. It's like it's like justice if Picard just let Wesley get, I guess, lethally injected. He came close. He yeah, almost did he, and he made a big speech about it to the god that was flying above them in a space station. Do you mean Lysian Central Command? Well, we haven't done that one yet. <laughs> When is that one? Hold on. It must be like season five. It's got row. So it's... Uh, it does have row. You're five. right. The name of that shit. Conundrum. Yeah. Uh, while you're oh, looking so that after up. Henson Row. Uh, he says, an enemy of this planet could just drop my three-year-old into the middle of their largest city and watch them self-destruct. It's true that they do seem extremely fragile. And how could they even have contact with outsiders? I, well, it's, once you get to the end where it turns out that... Uh, both the guy who did the initial attack and the old lady were paying to have violent memories put into their brains. It does make them seem less fragile. <laughs> I guess. That this wasn't just some innocent bystander shit. Yeah. That these dudes uh, got hella cranked up on PCP but and started doing that. The authorities certainly believe that is a possibility. That, that is correct. So they fragile. definitely are panicked about it. Yeah. And then he says, where That's, is Tuvok's It's crime? week 113, by the way, so it's a long way out. We might both be dead. Sounds like late season five. Um, He says, where is Tuvok's crime-sniffing dog for this homicide investigation? Yes. I fucking left it on that planet. Yep. You should have should have bought the dog. This is my dog now. Plus one dog. I would like dog. to purchase your dog. Computer. Beam up for one dog. For my security efforts. <laughs> Computer. Uniform for one dog. I'd like to trade you a liter of Voyager's warp plasma for this dog. <laughs> Whatever's valuable there. Um, I also had it as a one. Everything Voyager does is wrong. <laughs> I mean, not just this episode, every week, but it's, but this episode. Um, as usual, they get in deep with an alien race. By the way, I had this written before Seven pointed out. They get in deep with an alien race without bothering to learn anything about them or their society. I was glad when Seven said this exact thing later in the episode. This is a, would be a big one, huh? Hey, they're all everyone down here is a telepath, and violent thoughts are illegal. Yeah, maybe no one should go down if violent thoughts are illegal, because no one's really trained for that. This episode is really about the dangers of telepathy, uh, but except that then they forget to say anything about it. Yeah, and also, like, boy, in this real planet's life, bad. Those mind melds are fucking awful. Everyone hates them. Bolana doesn't want to do it. Well, no, she's probably talked to the doctor who thinks they're fucking savagery. 
Yeah, Tuvok incapacitates the guy with a mind meld. It turns out his brain's just all full of crap. <laughs> just a, uh, bonies are doing a bunch of other bad crap up in there. <laughs> Gotta stop the bonies, Scrooge. Um... Well, anyway, that would be a weird episode because, like, what am I supposed to do with that in real life? I I don't know. Any, like I don't know any telepens. <laughs> anyway, uh, it wouldn't be a good one, but we would, for world building purposes, we might enjoy it. Yeah, this creeper gives himself away so obviously. It's like if you were looking for a drug dealer and you went to this guy and he was like, "Hey, you, you talk about drugs a lot. You need some help with that. You, your need for drugs. I could help <laughs> you maybe with the drugs you need so bad." Oh, okay, well, I guess we're both in agreement. There's nothing to see here. Like, he's so bad at getting away with his weird black market. Damn, man, there's one cop in this city. As long as Namira isn't in earshot, he's totally, he could say whatever he wants. It's like, like you pointed out earlier, they're telepads. You should come up with not only a good thing to say about what you're doing, but also some good things to think. Oh, yeah, Namira can think into Tuvok's mind, by the way. Mm -hmm. So it's wild that all these people just talk to him with their mouths. <laughs> Why do they still have... How long have they been pure telepaths? Why does everyone have the ability to speak with their mouth? It clearly is not a, a millions of years kind of thing. The whole society is telepaths. Yeah, well, anyway. It doesn't make any difference. Anyway, J uh, Janeway cares so little about anything that happens in this entire episode. It's kind of insane. That's not my opinion. She says it in her log and in her talk with Seven at the end. She just doesn't care. Yeah. And that's what they've decided her character is now. I don't care um, about what happens on this planet. I don't care about what happens to my crew. I don't care about getting home safely. I don't care about anything. She's depressed. Well, that's too bad. That's what it is, right? Janeway's got depression? I think so. She's the one who sucks. She needs to be blogging onto a Hanes. <laughs> Uh, it's, yeah, so just a one for me. I don't know. Maybe you felt different from Ben and I. Okay, so as this went along, I thought, A, this would be an episode about illegal thoughts or self-incrimination or even the Prime Directive. Then I thought what was going to happen was that it would end up that Namira had introduced that memory into Balana's brain by asking Ooh. a leading question or something. Like, she was really saying, are you sure you didn't have any violent thoughts right then? Yeah, it's like... The, you know, I thought it was, she may, would have made it happen. It's like her instrument was bleeping at her or something, and she's like, oh, I caught something. Um. Anyway, it's, it just ended up being this watery story about repression and black markets or prohibition or something. Mm. So, hey, I guess in the future, everyone needs to be real careful on away missions or they could get executed for real. Because Janeway's not going to do anything about it. Yes, and she's not going to try to avoid putting you in that situation either. So you nah. need to exercise your own good judgment on these things. <laughs> couple, couple other questions. Did Tom Paris ever come up with a rescue plan? That scene was nothing. I already out. told you offline. He's very satisfied with himself because he got to sit in the captain's chair, and I think he doesn't do anything so. after that. I think he just goes and smiles his way through the rest of the day. A uh, bunch of stock footage flashbacks. Also... There's like a hazy telepathic vision of Neelix getting a sideburn job. So, yeah, I gave it one. Okay, good. We were on the same page. Why do you want me to pull on your whiskers? Uh, I, 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 what, I don't what, know. What? I, uh, that is what you what? want, isn't it? Well, I mean, <laughs> just a little bit of harmless whisker pulling. Hmm, I'd like to. I would like that because I. That, this is all written by a man. That seems like... Well, that seems like sex that we could do in public, and I'm nasty. That's right. Boy, if I've she... always wanted to, but I can't just 
dump them out. <laughs> We're not allowed to dump them out here. So <laughs> she'd met a maybe I could pull on your whiskers. She met a Ferengi. She'd be real fucking happy. Those guys are always just rubbing each other's ears in public. Anyway, she's explicitly into it, so she has to get knifed. You know how it goes. Well, writers. Uh, I mean, mm. I was disappointed. The name Random Thoughts was very worrying. The title of the episode. <laughs> yep. Extremely worrying. And it really still failed to live up to expectations. In the in this day and age, what would pop up on the screen after the credits was just the shrug emoji. <laughs> that would be the name of the episode. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Uh, uh, world you building, though. World building? They must have uh, fucking dominated as they always do. Uh, I have two things. I got two shits okay. for this one. Number one, Janeway is explicitly going to keep making these useless little stops. Uh-huh. She she is adamant about it. It's the plan. We're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep doing this, Seven. You can't talk me out of it. Mm-hmm. Number two, the crew remembers Kess. No, oh, it's true. She does come up in this. They mention her. Neelix said the word Kess. I got points it's one on point. That. I got it's one point. I got thoughts on his. It's so terrible that Janeway's just like, nah, I'm not even going to take it under advisement. We're going to keep doing this. Yeah. Our mission is to make contact, even if we have no way to report it or establish diplomacy. It's true. I thought that 2020 was the year of quadrupling down, but it might be 2370. I don't know what year we're at now, but might be might be that year. That's the year of quadrupling down. What's TNG? 64 to 70 or 60? something like that. That's why I don't. I couldn't say specifically. And this would be about four years after. Yeah, that's a good question. Um. Uh, Ben. Uh, had it as a two um more very galactically common telepaths uh these mari look exactly like humans he says if there's any forehead work or nose work it's nearly invisible i agree in my memory i cannot remember what they looked like other than human. i i also don't remember anything about them i think they were all white were there any not white <laughs> i think you're probably right they probably were a bunch of whites i think it was all whites <laughs> And he says a, a memory can be copied and extracted like a software program. Yeah, we, we hear a lot about that in Star Trek, though. Why do they have that technology? They're telepaths. Why yeah. do they have that technology? Oh, okay, fine. Don't worry about it. Um, I agreed it was a one. Uh, I have Talchok Musk. That's what Neelix Oh, yeah, Neelix got real stinky for that lady. This uh, thought reading device this police lady has. Uh... Memory extraction. Yeah, but Janeway explicitly says we'll never be back here again. Yep. Memory extraction and the risk of neural damage. Limited mind melts. Okay. One. Yeah, it's a one. Maybe you thought the characterization was very good. Very good and excellent. Neelix got a girlfriend on this random planet for some reason. How long were they planning on staying? Oh, yeah. It's a real good question. He was about to take her out for it. Well, listen, Neelix doesn't care. He could get off this ship. He ain't going home. Oh, God. How, oh, now I wish it had worked out. If we could have got rid of Neelix, if he could have just gone down to the planet and lived there forever. This planet seems nice. They don't got food rationing. It's true. <laughs> yeah, why not stay there? Yeah, he he was looking at those fruits. He's like, look at he all knows this fruits. grocery store lady. It's all going to be okay. They got some dragon fruit. They got all this shit. Um. Also, he thinks he used to be with Kess, but we never oh. saw any real evidence of that. Is he right? Well, thank God. <laughs> well, I don't mean we had to see. You the want deed. to see him grunting away? <laughs> You're too. You're too, and I'm into that. I just she never seemed sure about it. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, it is true. 
her her half of the ro- well, but he definitely thought he was with her. That's what I'm saying. He thinks they were together. Yeah, but sure. I'm not sure they were together. <laughs> uh, he's into whisker play. Fucking great. Um, Tuvok is a Vulcan supremacist. Oh, definitely. It's not new. I think most of the Vulcans in Star Trek are. Um, TP is awful and wants to commando these fuckers into their graves because they're just pacifists after all. He also just shouts at the lady in the view screen from the con and nobody says, hey, shut up. Remember that's in the end? Point. He just shouts in her face. Well, that's Star Trek tradition. Ugh. To just let anyone on the bridge spout off at any time. Just like you would in the military. Yes, exactly right. And you just shout whenever you feel like it. And I'd be a real whiny little turd about it, too. Make a lot of, like, frustrated sighs. Like, God. Listen, that's what happened to Halsey. No. The World Wonders was just some idiot in Nimitz's uh, room spouting off. (laughs) Just right right into the fucking fucking machine. Just right into the telegraph. (laughs) He was just spouting off. The World Wonders. Dude had to crumple up his hat. Uh, my last note is Seven gets it, though. She gets uh-huh, it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a three. It's as much as a three because Seven gets it. Hey, man, you and I are on the same page, uh, 100%. But uh, <laughs> uh, Ben Ben has it at a four. He says everyone is a caricature of themselves. Seven wins with the singer. Voyager's directive to seek out new civilizations often ends with conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone likes that she just storms in at the end and yells at Jane. <laughs> he says, no wonder and she by the is way, a fan favorite. <laughs> she comes in hot. Yeah. I don't know. Like, she's been having that argument with Neelix in her head for the last two days or something. <laughs> yeah. And she finally is going to just come in and talk to Janeway because Janeway's her new mom. Right. Um. And Janeway, by the way, I I think we were supposed to think Janeway's cool or funny, but she came off as a real bitch in that scene, too. Yeah, I don't. It did not work for me at all. Yeah. Yeah. uh, No. uh, So I I think we all agree. Seven gives that speech, and we all liked it. I liked it so much I gave it a four. Nice. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Otherwise. I love that she's uh, talked down immediately, though. (laughs) Captain just goes, I don't care. Yeah. No, it's true. It doesn't do anything. But still, she's mad, and now she's the audience surrogate character. Right. That's right. Um, Janeway isn't a space pirate in this one and works entirely within the system. Mm. Is that Anorax is doing? Yeah, what changed? I know we were told explicitly everything was the same, but what changed? I just just think we should keep an eye on it because at the end of that episode, she was different and it seems like she's continued a little bit. Uh, Tuvok, definitely a racist, but but you know, he still likes Balana. He just thinks Klingons are trash. (laughs) Also. And... She's, but you know, she's working on it. I like to think Tuvok is one of those racists who likes to say things like, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm <laughs> wrong. I hope black people are as good as white people. Yeah, yeah. I would love exactly to be wrong. Type. I like to call that the Thomas Jefferson school of racism. Yeah. Uh, Chakotay learned on Anorax's ship that if you let Tom plan a mutiny, he goes away for a while. So I had a different reading on that scene, which I've already shared with you. Yeah. Uh, but, but the main thing here, Seven is frustrated by the same things I am. Yes. So I gave it as many as four. All right. Well. Quick hitters. Do it. Uh, I didn't need to know Neelix has whisker stuff. Mm. Then I said, I hope this isn't a reverse Sarek. It kind of is a reverse Sarek. Yeah. 
why would Janeway let Neelix and Seven go down there again? It seemed like they were packing up, and then I thought to myself, what are they doing down there that they have things down there they need to pack up? Why you sent anyone down there except Tuvok? Also, you got transporters. Just beam it up. Seven has been a person for about two weeks. <laughs> yes. She's going to keep it together down there? Oh, and also Neelix. <laughs> what if she has another one of her Borg nightmares? I know Neelix is, like, real happy, but isn't it established in canon that he's a happy-go-lucky doofus because he's covering up war atrocities? <laughs> yes. That's true. Isn't that what's going on in his dark brain? Also, don't forget the time he and that other Talaxian were—they used to be bandits of some kind. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, these two get sent back. They've learned that thought, violent thought, is a crime. Yeah. And they, and she's like, "All right, uh, Seven and Neelix, go down and have an argument in front of all the telepaths." Honestly, the only people that should have been allowed down there were maybe Tuvok and the Doctor with his hollow emitter. <laughs> with his mobile yeah, he probably That's doesn't it. have thoughts that they can sense probably not but i don't know but probably not uh yeah dude what if what if seven had one of her borg nightmares and then they were all running around trying to kill the borg or something yeah it was real bad a couple weeks ago yeah, just, like right before anorax it got real bad not a good situation uh oh yeah detective tuvok gonna call a dog witness he did not no no he no. did a bad job with the whole episode uh, then this dude has never seen Star Trek VI, so he doesn't know that mind melts can be awful. That guy didn't get a limited mind melt. No. <laughs> but uh, while we're on the subject, how come Tuvok couldn't handle those three non-violent weirdos? Yeah, He's a super strong Vulcan and the ship's chief of security. These three dudes live in a society where violent thought is illegal, mm-hmm. and they beat his ass soundly. They've made him a stain. I, yeah, it was hard hard to figure out exactly what his skills are. What does he do well? Uh, he's, uh, he's Janeway's friend, he, but even that he got by negging her. He sucks. He really sucks. Tuvok sucks. He's, he's a got, bad teacher. He's got no skills. There's a whole episode about how Tuvok sucks dick as a teacher. I just want to know. Everyone in Starfleet and TNG seems like they got skills. Well, yeah. Tuvok doesn't have any skills. No. Uh, well, first of all, no one on Voyager does that was in Starfleet. Yeah, right. Janeway, we're told, is like a real competent scientist, engineer, etc., etc., etc. I can't think of one thing anyone else on the ship... I guess Balana is supposed to be a good engineer. Yeah, well, That's she it. left Starfleet. She didn't oh, even right. finish the Academy. Yeah. I mean, who's good? Harry Kim? I can't... Well, I... In an alternate universe, he did a good warp engine. Is oh. that anything? Because um, all he's done here is fall in love with a hologram. Well, this is Harry Kim, too, and he did fall that... In... He did that. Fall in love with a tiny baby. <laughs> and, um, uh, oh, definitely he got tricked on that planet where he thought all the women were going to fuck him, but really they were going to beat him to death with sticks. This is Harry Kim, too, and he did that good shoulder roll. Oh, he did do that good shoulder <laughs> roll, though. What he had to rescue the baby. So he's got some skills. Uh, he can play the clarinet, but we, I don't know if we've ever seen it. Yeah, I think he holds it. Theoretically, he can play, play the clarinet. Actually, in, in universe, he holds the clarinet a lot, so people think that he plays the clarinet. But he, ah, never... No one else on the ship can play the clarinet. <laughs> the first day out, he was like, even before Voyager met the Maquis, he was like, so uh, what musical instruments does everybody play? Okay, I didn't hear clarinet. And like, no, nobody played any of the woodwind. <laughs> so he was like, all right, cool, I play the clarinet. <laughs> Don't ever test me on it. The only Don't reason look into I, it. The only reason I would play it is I'm to... I'm very shy. The only reason I play for you is to prove I can do it, and I can do it. So I'm not... I, there's no need to do it. At least we see Chief O'Brien play the cello. That's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah. 
Oh, uh, Namira is uh, Bator. Oh, you know, oddly, that didn't. I didn't get any. Oh, she doesn't have a the Klingon head or a big uh, boob cutout. She didn't have like the lisp that yeah. she had to do. Yeah, nothing. Exactly. Nothing tipped me off on that. Well, no. Again, these are these just look like humans. So yeah. And it's not like she's had uh, Susie Plaxton roles where she was Ben Doctor Salar. So when she's someone else, you recognize her. Right. Yeah. I gave best actor to uh, Tally. That's uh, Neelix's new girlfriend. And worst actor to uh, Gwil's weird buddy Manu or whatever. The weirdo who's trying to buy the thoughts. I think I have the same guy. (laughs) I have worst actor candidate Creeper's friend who shouts, No! One tenth of a second after the guy says Tuvok is taking him in. Yep. That seems like the same guy. The guy who read the script and knows what's about to be said. So he's starting to say (laughs) his thing before it's over. Oh... Do you have uh, some quick ones for me? It's ben hard. did not. Ben declined. We've already been on this episode for a very long time. It is hard be- hard to believe there's more, but I, I do have more. Um, <clears throat> so I already, I've uh, referenced this a couple of times. What was this stuff about TP sitting in the captain's chair? <laughs> He's more excited than Wesley is in Encounter at Farpoint to sit in the captain's chair. And Chaco knows it too. So, oh, and also, by the way, you know he doesn't know what any of those buttons do. No, he couldn't. You know, do he does, if alert. a proximity alarm no. had sounded right then, <laughs> he would happening. not have known. He would have said, "Ah, it's, fuck! I didn't touch it." <laughs> Chaco knows it's going to knock his socks off too. He sits down <laughs> and he's like, "We got to save Valana," and he's like, "Hey, take a seat in the big chair." Uh, by the way, this is how you know Chakotay's cool. He just sits in his normal chair when he's got the bridge. He That's doesn't right. sit in the captain's chair. Data goes and sits in the captain's chair, right? Yep. That's not because Data's not cool. That's because Data's Crusher following does it protocol, too. right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, Chaco's like, this is gonna, this kid's gonna lose his fucking shit. So, and he's right because TP like smiles like an idiot when he sits down. Then they have their conversation. He stands up, and Chaco's like, I don't know if I got enough cool dad points. Hold on, hey, think about how I let you sit in that chair. But Janeway's still the real boss. So you get it, right? And then Tom Paris smiles like an idiot and walks out. And I just went, what was this? Why did we spend time on this fucking conversation? It doesn't matter because nothing comes of that scene. So yes, it, I, it really is pure character work. I didn't understand what was being shown to us, though. That TP is just such a fucking brain dead moron that sitting in the captain's chair will just knock out anything that, that was in his mind. Just, that's Listen, the only his, thing. his daddy is an admiral and sitting in the captain's chair of a starship does something to him. In a primitive way. You should ask for a picture. Hey, can you take a picture of it? Hey, can you uh, tell my dad I got just sit in the cabinet's chair? Uh, be very careful with the synaptic potentials, okay, dude? It's oh, you got to. It's important. You got to set it to the right number of millivolts or everything's fucked. This lady's, uh, this police lady's hair clip was bonkers. Just sitting in the front of her hair. I don't know what it was doing there. Well... I probably was there to cover up the fact that uh, one of the costume or wardrobe people put a gray stripe in her hair as, uh, accidentally. And then they were like, ah, just because she's wearing the Rutian police jacket from the high ground doesn't <laughs> mean right. she has to have the hair. They saw that picture and they went, ah, I guess we're supposed to do everything in this picture. This, this picture of this Rutian lady. Uh, Tuvok said the name of the episode. Um, Janeway somehow didn't hear the door make the whole whooshing noise when Seven came in at the end. Even though I heard it. And she acts like a fucking intruder is standing in front of her. Yeah. 
what is she doing that she, her she's so engrossed in that she doesn't understand what's happening? I don't know. Something she should have locked the door about, yeah. apparently. You know what? I don't want to talk about this one anymore. <laughs> Just the 45 minutes is enough. Okay, well, that's good news. Yeah, That means we get to talk about our next episode. Fourth place last week was Enterprise. Yeah, good. This week we watched Stormfront Part 2. Okay, it's still Nazi times. A newsreel shows Hitler touring New York City. This Nazi general that I don't think ever gets a name mm. is worried about an imminent counterattack, and he wants Vosk to deploy his special squadron immediately. Yeah, that was not mentioned last week, was it? No. Uh, later we'll learn that it's a squadron of Stuka dive bombers that have been equipped with, I guess, plasma weapons. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. Anyway, Vosk tells him he's a worm and he ain't shit. Uh, back on the Enterprise, Alicia is disturbed to learn that there is still war in the future. A lot and of it. And Archer... Sorry? I say there's a lot of it. This is just a constant a, space war. Yeah. No shit. Archer should be like, yeah, we just... Uh, I I did some shit. Like, just ten minutes ago. I did some amazing, awful shit. Yeah. And uh, now I guess we're doing this? Uh, Archer offers to send her anywhere she wants, anywhere in the world, any safe place, but she insists on going back to her old neighborhood. Uh, so he asks her to keep an eye out for Trip and Mayweather while she's down there. Mm. She asks him why he doesn't just use Enterprise to win the war. Like, just, uh, you know, zap the Nazis. Right. But he, uh, he doesn't even say that that's bad. He just wants to stop a war in time travel ways instead. Yeah, I, I think he's... His focus is on stopping this temporal Cold War that is. Yeah, well, Dan, he has to do Daniels' homework. Again. Yeah, it's uh, the inscrutable Cold War that he's fighting. Uh, Vosk has worked out that Mayweather and Trip aren't temporal agents. Oh. Uh, because, and that they don't even know how they got to the past. So he gets a whiff of an opportunity and has them sent back to their cell and given medical attention. But whoops, Silic is all up on the ceiling in there and he gets the drop on him. Uh, yeah. Um, Reed comes in and gives a very unimportant exposition here about how the timeline diverged when Lennon was killed in 1916. Oh, yeah, this matters not at all. <laughs> it's, I mean, it only makes it more confusing. It would be interesting to think about if we were going to spend a lot of time in this universe. Yeah. But no, it's just meaningless. Um, but Vosk calls up to the ship and asks for a face-to-face meeting with Archer. And uh, when he beams down, uh, Vosk basically just turns over Trip and Mayweather and says, let's be buddies. You help me here with your good technology. You help fix my conduit. And then um, when I get to the future, I will undo this for you yeah i'll make your your timeline will just be like it was before you left anorak style or whatever yeah he tells him hey uh daniels is a real shit heel they interfere in the time timeline all the time while they pretend to be neutral observers mm-hmm. which we, we know could be in this we could be in this together buddy yeah which we know to be true because we've seen this show and daniels <laughs> is true. showing up every fucking episode being like i need you to do some shit Listen, go to Detroit. It's important. There's some stuff. In, there's some stuff. Take T-Ball. Take T-Ball. It's going to be wild. Tell her to play bad cop. It happened in time, so it has to happen again. 
Take people, but make, had, do, do you guys ever do a movie night where she saw Serpico? It's because that's what you're going to want here. Um, anyway, Vosk makes this offer and basically turns him over. And uh, up on the ship, he's uh, questioning Trip and Mayweather, but Phlox is trying to uh, get his attention because something done scan right. Mm. And Trip suddenly attacks because, of course, it's Silic. Yeah. But luckily, Phlox also alerted the Makos. He didn't just count on Archer to take care of it. So uh, they shoot him down when he leaves the room. And he gets taken off to jail. Cool. Uh, It turns out he has a disc with all the schematics of Vosk's conduit on it. And Archer figures that uh, his whole mission was to steal this thing so that the Shadow Man could time travel. Anyway, what he really cares about is where's Trip? Where's Trip though? Yeah, yeah. Where is he? Where'd he go? Yeah, uh, he's just in a stairwell. That's where Silic left him, and I guess no one's ever been in just, that stairwell. He just left him in a stairwell, that, and everyone uses the elevator. And by the way, everyone walks past that stairwell. There's so many people walk past that. Like you hear, yeah. the, like so many times he has to. Well, like, he has to constantly go hide in a corner, <laughs> but nothing ever happens. No one goes in there. Boy, they ain't watched Running Man, huh? You gotta look in the stairwell. Yeah. Well. Oh. Well. Yeah. These guys. These guys would uh, get caught right away. Well, I guess what I should say is. If you are confident you can get away from John Cook, you need to look in the stairwell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't want to find him in there. No. If you look, if you're like big nose and you look in the stairwell, that's the worst possible situation. Don't, don't do that. Uh, I'm still at the point where every time Haha is a colone on the chasing team, he gets yes. bullied by the by the hiding. It's team. a great so run where everyone delightful. on the other team bullies him. Uh, Geo, Jacek, anyone. He gets bullied pretty bad by Geo on the cruise ship. That's yeah. all I'm going to say about it. Uh, Vosk has discovered the theft of the data, and he wants to uh, talk to Silic about it, but Archer says no, so they fire some ineffective shots at each other. Vosk's got a plasma cannon that Enterprise can just drift out of range of, <laughs> yeah. and Enterprise, I don't know, can't target them well enough to do anything. Yeah, they, they mentioned no, the, the nine facility's times. got shields that they have to take down. Yeah, they got shields, and they mentioned a lot of times that their targeting scanners are broken or whatever. So, Right. So, Archer goes and gets Silic out of jail because he knows how to get into the facility. Mm. So, there, he, Archer and Silic are going to go down and deactivate the shields, and then Archer gives T-Ball instructions that after 10 minutes after the shields go down, she's got to swoop in with Enterprise and blow the whole place up. Whether we get out or not for heroic reasons. Exactly. Yeah, uh, General What's-His-Name comes in. To tell Vosk that he needs that squadron because the Americans are a- attacking now. Yeah, I would just call and, him Klaus uh, or something. Yeah, something like that. Mm. And Vosk bargains for like another six hours and then goes and tells his men, hey, I know the conduit doesn't work, but we're leaving tonight and we'll make it work. Don't worry, somehow. though. Destiny. Yeah. Uh, Silic gets to take off all of his Sulaban makeup because, remember, he's a shape changer. Mm. And he and Archer make contact with uh, Carmine and Alicia down in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And they crash the facility gate in a truck, and there's a big dumb shootout, and Archer and Silic get into the door. Silic has to slip through the book return slot to do it, but whatever. Mm. The shields go down, there's a big alarms, everyone fights, Enterprise comes down into the atmosphere, because they're, again, they're targeting arrays offline. Uh, Silic takes three rounds from a German gun and goes down. Yeah. Vosk shoots the Nazi general, sends the squadron up after Enterprise. Uh, Archer and Trip do a little are you real moment because Trip doesn't know he's alive, but then Trip sees Silic, so 
He knows he's not him. Yeah. Yeah. It's real bad. They make it out. Uh, partisans start retreating. Voss squadron comes up. Reed does a bunch of manual targeting to shoot them down with lasers. The conduit opens and it's holding and Vosk steps in, but then Enterprise <laughs> fires and the whole thing collapses with him inside. Vosk does the cool bad guy thing where he takes about 35 seconds to take three steps. Yep. He just walks as slowly into that portal as he can so that he can get caught in it and go, no! No! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then Archer finds himself in Daniel's weird memory palace and the <laughs> timeline is resetting itself. Yeah, and you get to see the whole slideshow. It's great. That's great. It's uh, Bill Clinton great. and nine eleven. <laughs> Time is like the most amazing thing. It like it shows you a cool slideshow when it's doing its thing. Yep, yep. Oh, that's just my screensaver. <laughs> no, you, it's not something you can actually see. Yeah. Daniels tells him that the cold, the temporal cold war is coming to an end, and Archer asks to be sent home and left alone. Yeah, he does and not care he, about this. Exactly. And he finds himself on the bridge looking at Earth on the view screen and they start getting all those hails from all those places that they couldn't make contact with last episode. And a big armada of Starfleet and Vulcan ships approaches and escorts the battered Enterprise in. Oh, so those ships do exist and they are around Earth. Huh, it's weird. Yeah, that's where they were not there to fight the weapon. Yeah, it seems really crazy they didn't fight the Zindi. Oh, well. Now they're like, everybody hide. That thing's huge. (laughs) (sighs) Ah. I mean, I got end something. Of, end of the temporal cold war. Well, Matt, what's this one about? We barely knew ye. I, I, what, what was the temporal cold war? It showed up every 11 episodes, and I never understood any of it. What was it uh, for? You, honestly, go play Star Trek Online. There's a tiny little extra bit of the temporal cold war in there. It still doesn't make sense, but it's a little more of it. I've never heard something described so many times, or something... Like, the concept has been said so many times, but no one has ever described what it was or why it was happening. It's just nonsense. You can nonsense. Fight, fight all of Vosk's people, the Nakul. Oh, that's what they're called. Okay. Yeah. Because they're not cool, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real Sinisaran situation. Kind of. All right. I went with the Silic stuff. I just went with the enemy of my enemy is my friend, I guess. Like, I didn't know why he was in this plot, except so that he could die and the temporal Cold War would end. Although it didn't kill Shadow Guy anyway. Um, it's also kind of the case that uh, Vosk is making to Archer. Yeah, he's like, hey, you and me work together. We're both being manipulated here. Anyway, I'm, uh, these Nazis, forget about that. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah, I would I would work with you if you'd shown up. Uh, I gave it a four on that take. I just, I don't, I'm not solidly convinced this episode was about anything. It is a little bit of a problem. Uh, ben, Ben's got a take with a question mark. It's always good. T- temporal <laughs> eugenics are wrong? Maybe the take is just that Nazis are bad. Very dumb. Yeah, he gave it a three. I also gave it a three. I also struggled with it. I'm not sure it's about anything either. I thought it might be don't make deals with fanatics. Okay. Like, uh, both Vosk and this Nazi general try to change their agreement constantly. Yep. Like, they're constantly at each other about what the deal is. Yeah, like, uh, it's cool that you can find an ally when you need one or whatever, but if the ally is not a rational actor, then... Right. Yeah. An Archer seems to know better than to make a deal with Vosk. Uh, this is a wrap-up episode, right? Mm-hmm. This is like, welcome to the fourth season. None of the shit that happened before counts. Really. I, I'm glad about again that is a good decision it's just that I know that they don't do anything good with it with this reset 
Manny Cotto's got a bunch of turds lined up for us. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I couldn't give it more than a three. It's a take that everybody should know. And also, <laughs> it's not really what the episode's about. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm sure it also was bad in execution. I'm not even going to make a joke. Uh, well, I gave it a, I gave it four oh, for hey. execution. Um, so, you know, that's on the bad side, but it's not the worst. I'm sure that Enterprise descending into the atmosphere and battling alien enhanced Stukas was supposed to be exciting. <laughs> but the CGI in this one really shows its age. Oh, yeah, it does. In a way that Enterprise has mostly avoided. Yeah. Like, everything is CG in Enterprise. But when it's spaceships fighting each other, it mostly hasn't looked that bad. Sure. It's bad in this one. Uh, I thought Silic's little arc in this one mostly paid off. But I thought Trip was real quick to accept that Archer was alive again. Alicia's story doesn't wrap up in a satisfying way. No. I don't know what sense it makes that that honor guard was sitting there waiting for Enterprise. Yeah, how did they... They read the script. It's fine. Yeah, they read the script, right? Yeah. Um, like last week, this episode mostly succeeds on a quantum leap level. They fixed a, the time the timeline yes. where the Nazis were winning. Dude, seriously, if this was the show, if this was Quantum Leap, then you'd go, all right, another satisfying episode of Quantum Leap is done. All right. Oh, that's Quantum Leap. <laughs> yeah. There were some, not, some Nazis. He had to do a thing so that Nazis didn't take over. But as a Star Trek episode, you go, what? What were we doing? What happened? And Ben's a two on it. Yeah, I mean, he says... He has something, some nitpicks like, why doesn't Silic just go invisible? Yeah, he should have gone invisible in that shootout, huh? Yeah, but they put all the effort of showing his face finally. I guess they didn't want to take that away. Um, He says it's ridiculous that two cars fully loaded of pistol-wielding nutbags charges and kills the shit out of a fortified German position. Um, Stukas with plasma weapons. Sure, I guess. Why the fuck not? Yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, yeah. Oh, I was even lower. I give it a one. <laughs> uh, let's see what I have. The temporal Cold War ends in the neatest way imaginable. Oh, wait. I mean, not imaginable. Everyone in this thing read the script. Everyone's just walking around carrying the script and looking at nothing but the script. Everything is so conveniently wrapped up. It's wild. Lots of characters we don't care about or just have disdain for in this whole episode. Um, the CGI, as you mentioned, and the ADR are hot garbage. Like, what was, what was the scene where the timeline was resetting itself? I don't even know what to say about it. What's supposed to be happening there? Why can you look at it when it does it? What are you looking at? uh, For real, I could not tell if the images playing behind him were things that were being restored to the timeline or things that were being erased from the timeline, which is very troubling because one of them was the Twin Towers. I know. What's happening? Now, the Twin Towers attacks don't get mentioned in the high ground list of terrorisms that worked. That could just be because it didn't work so good. In the high ground? Or it could be... Isn't that where they talk about the terrorist bombing of San Diego? Oh, I think that's about one five, isn't it? Irish unification? Yeah, but I mean that hadn't happened in the in the high ground. Oh, you're talking about the. F- what are you talking about? They, 
data lists a bunch of times when terrorist incidents led to change. Sure. And including the Irish reunification. Right. Maybe not the terrorist bombing of San Diego. That might be Babylon I think that's 5. Babylon 5. <laughs> like San Diego got, got by that big earthquake in uh, Voyager, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> But like For they didn't talk about 9-11, so maybe it wasn't a successful terrorist. I guess. Or maybe it also didn't happen. Oh, man. I right? There's know. no evidence that it happened. I saw in Star Trek. Hard to say. I just I saw some cowboys. I think I think I saw some dudes on a horse in one of them, and I think I saw like a Model T. And oh I yeah, was any just kind going, of any kind of Paramount B footage, <laughs> B roll, right? I was just going, what? What are we doing? And then when fake Ruafo fucking slides through that doggy door, yeah, I just laughed. Of course, the CGI was so horrendous. This. This is a full, almost a full decade after they were doing Odo, and <laughs> it's no better. It's, it's not better it's at all. It's not better at all. It's, it's worse because this is in high def. I know. Yeah, I kind of don't want to see remastered DS9 now. What if it looks this bad? Um. Anyway, I, there, I couldn't find one thing about this episode that worked for me, so it's just a one. Well, it's man, it's hard to argue with that, but what about world building? Um, I had it as a standard three. Temporal assassins are getting work done all over Earth history in this temporal cold war that soon will not happen for some reason. Right? Isn't that the whole point of the, when he wins this, then the temporal cold war will never have happened? At least the Vosk stuff won't have happened. Okay. No, well, who knows? Not really explained. Yeah. <laughs> um... Anyway, it made me wonder if this shit was happening on any other planets or if Earth had the special privilege of having all the temporal assassins. Well, it turns out that if Nazis take over America, the Vosk wins the temporal cold war. So <laughs> it might be that this shit only has to happen on Earth. So annoying. Uh, how the other factions see Daniels and his whole team, uh, all the genetic manipulation of Silic, but they can't get rid of his little belly. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. Like, I don't have a perfect body. I'm just saying. You said he wasn't jacked in the odds. I'm just saying he's in that little jumpsuit and he's just got a little pooch. And you're just like, really? You left that? You, the Sullivan find that very sexy. <laughs> it could be. They're it, yeah. like Bruce Willis's French girlfriend in <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Fucking um, the Shadow Man was like, but I can, I mean, we can get rid of that. And he's like, oh, the ladies are into it. I got to keep it. That's my moneymaker. Uh, we get some background on Fosk, the Sulaban, and Temporal Agents. I know the big time band-aid heals all, but uh, Enterprise definitely shot the shit out of New York City with their phasers. Also, we can't call this episode the big time band-aid. Because I already did that? Yeah. Okay. So it's already the name of an episode. Like the last one we did. But like, all those straight phaser beams that go straight and go on for at least thousands and thousands of kilometers... They're just yeah, being yeah. fired from 800 feet up, and they miss a lot of Stukas. Oh, uh, that is true. They must just uh, be all, leveling All that city energy blocks. has to go somewhere. Like, New York City is done for after that battle. So again, uh, Listen, maybe a bunch of them go into the ocean and just boil maybe, a bunch of ocean water. Maybe. Create a little tornado or something. <laughs> but they don't seem to care where they're firing those things. I don't know why Archer doesn't just go, Oh, wait, I was told if I could stop the conduit from being built mm -hmm. that... Uh, None of this would matter. Yeah, I'm just going to glass Earth. Yeah, who gives a shit? I'm going to win the Temporal Cold War, and then I'll see the slideshow, and then everything will be fine. The, you know, but the targeting sensors... I know. <laughs> ...are disabled. They are. 
broken. Um, so what do I do with the Cold War shit now that we've been told it's over and maybe never happened? That's why I went with the standard three. I, I didn't really know what to do with any of this. Uh, it's charitable. Ben gave it a one. He says we learn a little bit about three factions in the Time War. Nothing about what they want or why they exist, but still. Mm-hmm. Uh, Silic says that Daniels and, and his people saved the Sulabons, but they still hate them for reasons. Yeah, yeah, they don't like them. <clears throat> he says uh, it can't really score because it doesn't make any efforts to world build, and the whole thing is about making sure nothing changes from the world we already know. He gave it a one. Yeah. I gave it a two. Largely the exact same thought. Yeah. Like we learned a, a little bit that, Sil- that the Sulaban were saved from a different temporal incursion by Daniels, but he's still mad about it for some reason. Yeah, you don't like him. They're always telling him what to do, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't like to get bossed around unless it's by a... <laughs> Shadow Man. Yeah. <laughs> by the way... We- this is by a silhouette that promised him that if he does what he says, the reptilians can dominate the Zindi. Dude, if I told you after we watched the pilot, because you had never seen these, if I told you after we watched the pilot, oh, we're never going to learn even one thing about Shadow Man. <laughs> we don't know who he is, why he's there, what's going on. He's actually not even going to be mentioned in the last several temporal Cold War episodes. He will just go away. How I would frustrating have said that was would that very be? disappointing. <laughs> yeah, that's just what it. <laughs> Extremely disappointing. <laughs> Not even a line in this episode about who he is and what his deal is. Nothing. Uh, his name is Noy, and he is a researcher who develops the Anorax temporal dreadnought. Now that Anorax is peaceful again, <laughs> Wait, is and this, he's mad. He's mad about his alien wife is, disappearing from I was the say, Is this in the STO? Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway. Uh, uh, characterization, I guess. Silic is impressed by how shitty Archer has become in The Expanse. Yeah, he's... I don't know what to do with that, but he's into it. He's like, I saw what you did to Damar. It's (laughs) fucking cool. You know that guy froze to death in space, right? (laughs) I went and I... I watched it happen. I went... I fucking killed that guy. I watched him for a while, then I killed him. Uh... Like, I, I don't know what to do about that. I don't know what to do about Silic in this one either. Mm. He dies fighting the good fight, so I guess we're supposed to forget that he was the he was the arch enemy for the first yeah. And also seasons. that he was definitely there to steal that technology to use. Yeah, to use to, for, to make own. the temporal Cold War hotter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Daniels is still a pill. No one else is in this. I gave it two. Yeah. Um, uh, this earned a three from Ben. Uh, Tucker, Archer, and Teeps, and everyone are just rote characters as usual. Um, <clears throat> Archer was so milk toast in this episode, I guess because the guest characters got to do all the acting for these two. Don't you hate episodes like that where all of the acting is done by the guests? And the oh, sp- like Jatrell? <laughs> oh no, I guess Neelix had some. Yeah, acting Neelix, to do in Neelix was trying to carry that one. Yeah, but sometimes you get ones where the guest actors show up and they get everything, and then the yeah, real actors rightful are just- air. Right, yes, exactly. Wait, is that the right one? Is there, or is that Kalos? Uh You know the one. Alexander comes back from the future. Uh, that one's... Is that not Rightful Air? Maybe it's Rightful Air. Yeah. Anyway, it's the same actor. That's why I said it again. Um. Anyway, Archer knows his buddy Trip, though. And he knows this one ain't it. This guy who's Silic. Ain't his buddy yeah. Trip. 
Uh, Reed loves Earth military history. I don't know. I gave it a two. I could see a one. <laughs> There's just nothing. Um, uh, yeah, but maybe you have some quick hitters. Yeah, about I it. I have a few. They clearly thought quite a lot of that newsreel since they made it the entire teaser. Uh huh. They were. S- it's just footage of Hitler in Paris, but they've like yes. photoshopped the Statue of Liberty back in there. They were so impressed with themselves. They're like, look, it looks. He's looking at. It looks like he's on the Empire State Building, looking at the Chrysler Building. See what we did? This looks really good. I don't speak German, but I'm confident that whatever Hitler speech they used does not translate into <laughs> what they put as subtitles. Right. Yeah, just saying fuck you to the German-speaking part of the world. Burned, but I know I already know Burned uh, hates Burned this. hated this episode. Burned gave it a solid zero. But I am at least a little bit convinced that Burned is some kind of weird right-winger in Germany or something. Uh, he might be. He's real hot about the portrayal of Nazis on television. Just leave Germany alone is main, his main refrain. Um, You suppose the actor who played Vosk even bothered to tell people what project he was working on? I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I'm playing a uh, time-traveling alien Nazi. It's, um, it's not a big deal. Don't watch it. You don't have to watch it. He probably said he was doing an industrial safety video. Oh, I'm just a guy who gets acid spilled <laughs> on him. It's it's nothing. It's so, not even my hand they spill the acid yeah, on. Yeah, so people remember to wear gloves and masks and stuff. It's helpful. You know, it's helpful, but it's yeah, not it's entertaining. Yeah, for Pratt and Whitney. You'll never see it. Don't yeah. worry. Do we need the Vosk halftime speech? No, he, when Trip gets to watch him psych up the the crowd, like we don't care enough about him or this episode to be interested in his weird speech about destiny. What if Trip had put one through his brain and right then it there. was like all the Archer and Silic stuff didn't matter? That'd be great. And they get they get there and Trip's like, "Oh, I put one through his brain while he was giving a speech." No one, everyone had their back turned. Just once, I'd like the episode to be Archer and Silic are on their way down, and suddenly Archer's seeing the slideshow. <laughs> And Daniels, Daniels goes, oh, no, uh, your, your lieutenant, he took care of it. He shot that Voss guy and the timeline reset. So, good job, though. You did good work. Uh, you say that, but actually, we'd be furious if that happened, right? Boy, I don't know. I didn't like the way the rest of the episode. <laughs> I guess that's true. Um, I already talked about all the bad CGI. Um, those Nazi guards with Klaus, they, uh-huh. they don't serve much of a purpose, huh? Uh, well, they're not useful in any way. He gets just gets got. They didn't even have their weapons loaded. No. They reach down to load their weapons when Vosk shoots that guy, and then they get iced before they're done loading their weapons. How How long has this part... So this is 44? Yeah. Did, presumably the aliens... Presumably Vosk fucked with Lenin, but it was a one-way trip, so has he been on this planet for... No, they specifically say... That it couldn't have been Vosk's team because they haven't been there that long. Okay. The whole point is that people have been fucking around in Earth history for a little while. Okay. Each faction right, trying cool. to get their shit done. How long would some German potato farmer have to work in a facility with these fucking aliens <laughs> before they weren't constantly on edge in there? <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know. Um... And I already said the part about the guy walking as slowly as he could into that portal, so. Uh, uh, ben, he, uh, he has Alicia says, I, I guess you know what you're doing. Since, <laughs> since when has Archer known how to do anything but improvise? Well, she doesn't know anything about him. She <laughs> thinks he's super competent because he 
but I has deal he makes dealings with these aliens and he has a transporter. I do remember scoffing when she said that though. Yeah. Uh what about you? Quick ones. <sighs> What's your day like as an editor when it starts with pull all the Hitler footage in the library. We have to fake him in New York. We had the same thought, but mine was about the guy who plays Vosk and yours was about the, oh, yeah. the editor of this episode. <laughs> oh. Uh Okay. Uh, did you notice the American flag on this Nazi's map had 56 stars? I did not notice that. I don't, I don't know if that was a mistake. I thought we were back to the 48. If they meant to do 48, but they put an extra row. Oh, that's pretty dumb. Or if, because the timeline's been so mega fucked, there are 56 states in 1944. Uh, no, I did not notice that. Or who I just, whoever drew the map just did a bad one. Just did it bad. Yeah, when I but. saw the rows were real even, I was like, oh, we're, this is a 48-state flag. That makes sense, because they ain't no yep. Alaska and Hawaii, but yeah. The, no, I, I counted they, them se- seven rows, though. <laughs> I guess they fucked it. Yeah, they fucked it big time. Uh, hey, Vosk has real stones playing this weak-ass hand, giving up Trip and Mayweather on all he's got to give Archer is, from his point of view, the Jedi are evil. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the Jedi are evil. <laughs> it's, it's weak. That's a weak hand. You two be careful there tonight, right? That's his whole thing. You two be careful. He is a big Mr. Speaker. We, we are, are for, for the big. The big. <laughs> oh, yes. that uh, back translation from Chinese is amazing. Yeah, dude, backstroke of the West. Um yeah, you're right. He he knows he's just going to bolt anyway. So he's just buying time, I think. I um I guess they modified some diet, but he's also wasting an hour with this meeting. That he did not need to have. Well, hopefully the other people are fucking working. If they I guess don't so. do work, if, you know what? Sometimes you got to trust your employees. Like his subordinate who does not understand <laughs> any of what's happening. Yes, sometimes you got to trust your employees. And I understand that his employees don't, they don't seem that capable. So maybe you're right. Maybe that was a waste of an hour. Uh, Yeah, so I guess they modified some dive bombers because they needed a bigger plane for the new guns. Yeah. Or, like, they need gunners? Otherwise, it seems like a weird choice. Yeah, you definitely want, like, a nimble one. Hey, get something that can't climb fast or maneuver and then put then make it into a fighter. But it's going to have plasma machine guns, so, you know. Seriously, the uh, Stuka almost lost to uh, Chariot Warriors on that show. <laughs> That's right. Like, it was close. The computer said it was, like, 56-44. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so again, I'm 50-50 on whether 9-11 happened in the Star Wars universe, depending on what we're supposed to think that timeline stuff meant. Well, they never explicitly mention it in any of the shows. Uh, I don't remember hearing about it in Discovery, so I think that holds. Uh, I gave best actor to Carmine, question mark? Like, he's just playing a stereotype, but at least I understood it. Yeah, I had some impression of him last week. Um... I'm not going to do it again, but he talked about his buddy Sal, like, a lot. Uh, I think him and Sal were on The Sopranos, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> so that explains that. And then uh, give Worst Actor to read. Like, uh, his little trying to remember what Stukas were armed with. <laughs> just cut it. He's not, I don't care about him. I don't right. like him. It's not, it doesn't, it's not charming. I'd like to make a self-aware cut of all these episodes. And in every single one of his lines, he gets cut halfway through. Halfway through, it cuts to the next scene. Because <laughs> no one gives a shit. 
<clears throat> uh, like even when they find out it's pineapple, it just gets cut halfway. Yeah, he says pine, and then it just cuts it because no one gives a fucking shit about this whole episode. That was like a three minute episode. Forty percent, forty percent of the way through this week, we're doing good. We're definitely on pace for a long one, though. <laughs> yeah, in third place last week was uh, TNG. Oh, a rare bad showing for them, but yeah. that's how it goes. This week we watched Suddenly Human. Ben's pick of the week. Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. All right. Enterprise responds to a distress call from a Talarian observation craft. Data and friends think it could be a Talarian trap because of past hostilities and tactics. But that doesn't really go anywhere. Talarian Cruiser is on the way too, but um, life signs are growing dim over here on this observation craft. So Picard orders Riker and the away team over there. Uh, they find a bunch of fucking teenage boys on board. So, you know, that place had the B.O. <laughs> it probably did not smell great in there, huh? Fucking so many hormones and shit happening in there. Uh, they're all maimed. Captain, I'm, they just keep stepping on crunchy tube socks. <laughs> it's fucking, Captain is nasty over here. Captain, I'm not exaggerating. Buckets of jizz. It is fucking nasty over here. Beverly Crusher somehow doesn't understand what's going on over there. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. Wesley never did any of it. <laughs> uh, they're all injured. It's some kind of training ship. Uh, I don't know. I think Riker just decides that because it's teenagers. Um, Crusher discovers that one of the boys is human. Credits. Crusher's examining this human boy. They're calling him Jono. That's his Talarian name. When he and his surviving uh, colleagues all start making wild howling noises. Picard and Riker walk in and they, they keep making the noise until Picard gets shouty enough with them. Then they shut up. Um, the human boy says, take me to my captain. Take me to Endar. Yep, and we're, that's real. That's a real good science fiction I was going to say, huh? we're doing a sci-fi. <laughs> Crusher tells Picard her scans show that the boy has suffered a ton of old injuries and she thinks he's probably been abused by the Talarians because he's, he's just got so many broken bones in the past or whatever. And also, they're violent psychopaths. She's definitely a racist. Yep. Uh, the boy goes wild out in sickbay after Troy asks him to take off his gloves. To be fair, she was definitely molesting him. His hands are a special area. Like it is, there is definitely something happened there that we didn't see. Did mm -hmm. she go right in for those gloves? She went for the gloves. She didn't ask. She just tried to take them off. And you can't yeah. do that. She needs to learn about fucking boundaries. Uh, again, Picard's shouting makes him shut up. And then Worf takes him to his new quarters while Picard gets a call from Starfleet, letting him know this boy is an Admiral's grandson. Yep. Uh, they're considering sending him back to his Earth family, but Troy says... Only Picard can uh, get through to him and find out what's going on inside of his little head or whatever. Do you think if they just stick this guy in a class nine probe and zip him back to, <laughs> oh, the, that'd be great. to the fucking Federation that it's going to be bad for him and he's got to learn what it means to be human first and it's got to be Picard. Yep. Uh, the sappy music lets us know we're in for a very special episode. Picard forbids the kid from making the banar. That's that howling noise. And then the kid goes, uh, I only live with my captain. So he moves in with Picard, I guess. Yep. 
the boy tells Picard that uh, his injuries don't matter, pain doesn't matter, pain don't hurt, he likes pain, etc. Picard tries to get Troy's help, and we get to find out that Picard never had any friends as a kid, so now he can't be around the young folks. Yep. We finally learned what it was. Was it satisfying? It's a great, it's a great answer. It's a great and satisfying <laughs> answer to why Picard doesn't is nervous around children. It's not that he's like an old career weirdo yep. who's probably still a virgin. Yep. No, it's just writer of the week went, I don't fucking know. Because uh, he, he never had any friends, I guess. He was just too driven as a child. Mm-hmm. Too driven. Wanted to be a Starfleet officer. Uh, anyway, she just tells him, too bad. Eat it. He's your kid now, basically. Uh, Picard goes to his quarters. And the kid is laying in the dark in a space hammock, taking in yep. some sick fucking tunes. Uh, what was the name of that again? The Hold on, I, it's in my world building. That is called The Albara. The Albara fucking slaps. Dude, it was fucking grimy in just the right way. I was into it. It was synthy and nasty. Dirty. Every time TNG shows alien music, it kind of slaps. <laughs> Dude, yeah, the Klingon opera later is fucking banging um anyway picard shows him his nasty blonde earth family bunch of fucking (laughs) children of the corn and shit and uh the kid's not impressed the talarian cruiser is getting here and picard goes to talk to captain endar while jono has flashbacks of his family getting wiped out by talarian soldiers or whatever that's the backstory here his family got killed by talarians and that's how that he ended up with them um Captain Endar says uh, the kid is his son. Now he's not. He didn't. They didn't just capture him. Um, he had, he had adopted him, and he wants him back. Uh, Endar also explains his injuries, saying he's been hurt in various competitions and dumb kid stuff. Picard says he can't have the kid back, and Endar says it's a fucking fight. Then I will go to space war for this kid. Uh, they let Endar see Jono. Jono says he doesn't want to stay with Starfleet, and then Endar uh, reaffirms that he's willing to fight Starfleet for him. Data says uh, these guys aren't a challenge. They got, like, some dumb old rockets or something stupid. Yeah, boy, in TNG, it's fucking always a little cigarette boat full of five guys with machine guns just rolling right up alongside an aircraft carrier like <laughs> going, gonna do some we're shit. We're going to fuck you up, bro. <laughs> And then Starfleet always has to like be real reserved and go. I know they're pretty, they're pretty lame, but we can't just destroy them. Um, Admiral Rosa, that's that's his grandma. Uh, calls on tape delay, and yeah, it, again, what it is never clear when I guess yes. Enterprise was just at Earth. Like you may remember, they yeah. were there of like real recently. Yeah, how far have they gotten? Well, I mean, we know they got to Starbase 214 or whatever where the kid had to get fixed, but um, now they're so far away that uh, Admiral Rosa can't talk real time, or she just can't fucking be bothered. <laughs> she's, she was, you don't have what she called, and she she's said... She's like, what's the time difference there now? Nine hours? Nah. She, she called and she did what I do sometimes where I go, please be a voicemail, please be a voicemail, please be a voicemail, please be a voicemail. <laughs> I don't really want to talk to this person. <laughs> Oh, uh, looks like I missed you. Well, uh, anyway, and then I or go when someone's not showing up for a meeting, and you're like, "Oh, we can handle this by email." <laughs> That's right. Uh, she calls on tape delay and gives a message to Jono or Jeremiah um, about uh, how he's the last of the family line, and they're so glad to have him back or whatever. 
Jono's going stir-crazy, so Picard shows him space racquetball. Yeah. They're having a spirited game, but then Jono has a fla- another flashback, and he ends up like a wet fucking puddle on the ground. Picard and Jono go to 10 forward and put ice cream all over Wesley, and everyone has a good laugh. Things, uh, Especially Riker. Is that because Frakes was really laughing? I assume that Frakes just as soon as the as soon as the ice cream hit Will Wheaton, Frakes just could not not laugh. That's why TNG's better because sometimes you can see Troy is really laughing, yeah, about whatever's happening. Uh, so things are really looking up, right? <clears throat> it seems like it. But whoops, Jonah grabs. Let's all go to bed. <laughs> Jonah grabs the cheap Klingon knife from Picard's table and stabs him in his sleep. Hey, that's not cheap. That's Picard's Chadich knife, right? Yeah, I saw that plastic piece of shit. Okay, it's cheap, but like, <laughs> in-universe, Picard didn't get that at the mall. Dude, in-universe, they gave him something cheap and they told him it was... They probably a- have to give away a lot of Chadich knives now that I think about it. Yeah, that shit was cheap as hell and they went, oh, it's a real honor, though. You should be honored. That you also, it was probably just meant to be a loner, but like, they know a lot of Chadiches don't return them. Yeah, they so, expect it. It's just, they calculate it's pretty, it. It's cheap crap, basically. When Galron's on his spreadsheets, he fucking, he knows that shit has to be taken into account. We spent how much on knives? <laughs> I hope Quark pointed that out to him. Um, you guys are spending a lot of money on knives. Yeah, I saw knife expenditures went through the fucking roof last year. Did you guys have, like, a, a lot of political stuff where there were a lot of chadiches coming in, a lot of courts? I knew it, yeah. Oh, anyway... Somehow sickbay's made aware of Picard's injury. It's not clear how. Um, I assume Jono just called them immediately. Yeah, Picard wakes up after his surgery. Crusher explains away the stabbing and says, even though you got stabbed like straight in the chest, it's totally cool. Um, Riker gets ready for a fight because he's Riker. He doesn't have any other plans after he tells Endar what happened. And now, look, like, we got to hold on to this kid. He stabbed my dad. Um, well, he's a criminal now, Endar. You know my dad, who you were talking to before? The guy with one more pip than me? Well, he got stabbed by your son, and I want to know what you're going to do about it. Also, I'm mad because he doesn't let me sleep in a hammock in his quarters. <laughs> right. I tried to do it one time. He caught me. Uh, Jono visits Picard in sickbay and says uh, he's ready to be put to death. Um, I don't know. It's not clear to me if that's the reason he did it, if that was his way out. Or if that was just to show Endar what's up. Yeah, the whole thing feels like it was a big call for help, or cry for help, and he didn't really have a plan. Yeah. Um, I think he, like, he feels, he, maybe he feels he betrayed his father by being happy and enjoying ice cream. I don't know. I think that's what we're supposed to get out of yeah. it, yeah. Uh, Picard tells Endar, my bad, we figured this was an easy call to keep him, but he needs to go home to you, you can have him. So Jono and Picard have a touching goodbye in the transporter room. And then we're out of this bitch. That's literally what happens. He gets stabbed. He comes out of sick bay and goes, nah, you can have him. Yep. So. Uh, well, no, he gives a big mealy mouth apology to end off on I'm the saying. bridge. He says, my bad. I was. It's my mistake. I'm the one who made the mistake. There was a crime here, but I'm the one who did it. <laughs> then later there was another crime. The, he did it. But, but what I'm saying is we're going to let that one go. Yeah, that one's up. We're going to give you a mulligan on that one. Uh, we're going to decline the penalty. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're going to take loss of down. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. What was this one about? I think the message in this episode is probably supposed to be that your identity is your culture and not your genes. Uh-oh. Well, I, but, that's not what Worf thinks. It's not, it's not what Worf thinks. No. Also, 
this episode rubs a lot of people the wrong way because Jonah shows some crazy behavior that suggests maybe sending him back is the wrong choice. Uh, in the 20th century, they called it Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, well, it muddies the waters. Mm. And I think there's a good message and they just tripped over it. Yeah. And so I gave it six points. Okay. Uh, ben had it as a five. Um, like if, you do, if you do the real world, if you do the sci-fi math on this one, this is... It'd be like someone saying, well, he was adopted as a baby from China, so he should go and live in China, right? Yeah, if the Chinese were like, well, he was a... He was born uh, he's here. ours. So like you know how the we have the panda leases? That's right. And the pandas are technically still ours. I know it seems like we care about pandas more than people, but we also want the, we also want him back. But can we have Jono back? Yeah. Oh also, why did you name him that? That's <laughs> not good. His name's uh Cho Chong. <laughs> Alright, sure. That's sure. Um so like that's that's what this is, right? Like oh, he's gotta go be with his family that he's never met. Yep. I mean, it's about. There are parts that are about that, yeah, for sure. Uh, ben had as a five. Presuming to know what is best for others runs the risk of well-intentioned, unintended consequences. He thinks maybe it's an anti-U.S. imperialism stance. I. But honestly, he doesn't seem like he's entirely sure what he thinks the take is. I mean, maybe this is maybe the show. Like we know, TOS is not anti-U.S. imperialism. No. It's extremely pro-U.S. imperialism. It's the only way to do it. The brush wars had to happen. Kirk is the great civilizer of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is the show where it maybe is starting to turn. Yep. On imperialism. Um, I had it as a much more what we, I think, tra- traditionally think of as a Roddenberry Star Trek take. But after having done this project now, I'm not sure what the hell Roddenberry wanted out of anything. But... He wanted to see dudes cranking each other off in the background of most scenes. Oh, that's my take on this. Um, no, he's. I have the casualties and wounds of war go on long after the war's conclusion. So, like, this kid's going to be affected forever. He's going to grow up a weird outcast in this society. He also knows... I don't know, they seem to mostly like him, frankly. He also has flashbacks of his family getting iced and, like... Yeah, now he does. And then all the families of everyone who was killed or captured on either side of the conflict, like Endar talks for a while about how he lost his son, and now he's got this other new, different son, and he's not going to lose him. But then this grandma's calling up, and she's like, we lost our fucking family line in this stupid fucking war that we've never heard of until this episode. The Galen border conflict? Yeah. So I, I skipped over the stuff about raising a kid or whatever, and just said, everyone in this thing except for Picard has some kind of shit they're dealing with from this stupid war. And everyone's trying to do their best, but, like, they haunted, man. (laughs) People are haunted in this one. It's a dark fucking This dude has auditory hallucinations and collapses while playing racquetball. Mm -hmm. Like, every once in a while, I think about a bad thing from my past. (laughs) That don't happen to me. No, although I come close sometimes when I think about something I did at a party (laughs) one time. It's not a big deal, though. That time you met Ron Jeremy? No. I told you that wasn't me. (laughs) Why in my mind is it you? I was at that party. I didn't see Ron Jeremy. My friend took a picture with him, though. Okay. Which I saw later, and I went, Ron Jeremy was there? That time you could have met Ron Jeremy (laughs) and didn't? Weirdly, I've always felt sort of fine about that. Seems like a grimy man. Um, Yeah. I gave it a six. 
execution. To me, this was once again an episode that I would only want TNG to attempt. None of the you other shows think, have you the don't sensitivity. Think DS9 could do this. Cisco's such a good dad. Yeah, but it seems like he's not interested in anyone who's not Jake. Like he's not nice. Wait, to what mom. happened in that episode where they raised the baby Jemadar? He was not this? in it. He was not in it. Cisco not in that no, one. That was, was he directing it? Maybe I'm just saying that was a pure Odo joint. Cisco, I think, delegated. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't think the other shows have the sensitivity to even to even have. They have like three conferences in this episode where they talk about whether the kid was abused. It is true. I don't think the other shows care. <laughs> um, no, it's definitely someone would say, well, it's hard out here in space. I already explained all this stuff about how everyone's dealing with this shit about this war. Um, hey, Picard's kind of a fucking nerd, it turns out. I thought he was a turbo jock, and that's why he's <laughs> uh, yeah, J- connected. JP'd never seen anything like it. I mean, his big... His big thing was marathon, and his other hobby is yeah, but I don't know. fencing. I don't know. He has a lot of individual pursuits. It is definitely the case that he doesn't have friends. It's not clear what in the 23rd century are the cool sports. And that's true. I well, it's know. Parisi Squares. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's clear that I one of them has is... Has Picard ever played Parisi Squares? I've never seen him do it. Has he done one Anbojutsu? I haven't seen him either, but I'd love to. Does he even know that... The Tatsu Tonkatsu is illegal? It's illegal! Um, anyway, he's still not good with kids, uh, but it's kind of sweet how he looks at the kid in the racquetball game and in 10 forward, and they have a nice sweet parting in the transporter room. Um, it doesn't make sense that Picard has the power to send this kid back without consulting anybody, especially after the murder attempt. He doesn't even call home and leave a tape delay message. Yeah, like, I could see we're not going to prosecute this as a crime, but it is evidence that this kid maybe needs help. Maybe yeah. needs some help that he's not getting. And, like, he's already involved Starfleet to this point, but then he cuts him out of the final decision. Yeah, we don't see a, definitely don't see a scene where he talks to Admiral Rosa no, about it. because he goes directly from sickbay to the bridge. Yeah. <sighs> um, well, he probably heard someone he heard overheard that there were two more Talarian and ships that showed up and he was like oh fuck Riker's up there he's gonna ask Jordy to I gotta get up there before it's a war he's gonna say to Jordy Jordy is there any way you can make the phasers come out of the nacelles too I want phasers to come out of every surface of the ship I'm just worried that I'm gonna get up there and discover we're already 15 light years towards their home world <laughs> he's gonna he decided to fucking do their whole planet in uh, yet another crazy border conflict with aliens that we um, have only just now heard about. We hear about the whole thing in exposition. Starfleet's out there just shooting at everybody. Uh, it just seems like that they uh, were and maybe still are big colonizers. Yeah. And that they are constantly finding that they have set up colonies in territory that other people claim. Yep. The Setlik Massacre. Yep. That was a Federation colony being attacked by Cardassians, we will learn. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the dry run for that, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's true. We haven't got to that yet. And the Cardassians and... don't exist yet yeah. for us. The Galen border conflict is kind of a dry run for it, right? Like uh, there was some, the, the, he, I forget exactly how Endar, he's the liberator yes. of the Galen system or something that's like that. Right. Yeah. But then also, once again, the opposition seems hopelessly weak, yet it was some kind of sustained violent conflict. Yeah, Starfleet's heart wasn't in it. I, again, though, I just... It's not... 
so this this would have been what about thirteen years ago? Yeah. How old? No, maybe nine years ago. How old was he when he got? From the pictures, he was some kind of small child. I don't know ages of kids. He seemed like he made it to five or six or something, something. in the second picture, right? Yeah. And they tell us that he has reached the age of decision, which they tell us is fourteen. I don't know how far north of fourteen he is. Uh, he is fifteen. Okay. Okay. I think uh, Crusher says that. So something like ten years. Yeah. This was only about 10 years ago, so it seems like the shit with the Klingons would have been wrapped up by then. Yeah. They just didn't... They didn't really want to have a war. Well, we're going to learn later the stuff with the Cardassians was ongoing. Yeah. So they probably didn't want to have to fight all the space aliens. Um... They're like, look, it is a... Honestly, there's newsreel footage of our cruisers just vaporizing these enemy ships. <laughs> yep. And uh, it's not a good look. It's actually, the yeah. Vulcan, the Vulcans are mad. It doesn't play well at home at all. Yeah. Um, People are like, I, I don't care about the Galen colonies. Move them to Daystrom 6 or whatever. Oh, the um, Draylon 2? Yeah, move them to Draylon 2. Move them to Draylon 2. That shit's available. Everybody, can, everybody move to Draylon 2. Be great to have a real, like, melting Real pot. Real 2 is probably claimed by somebody, by the way. The fucking Breen are going to show up and wipe those Bajorans out. They're going to put nine different kinds of people on Real 2, and then the Breen are going to show up, and it's going to be yeah. a real mess. And, and the Mealy Mouth Federation won't do it. It'll be another bad treaty, and it'll just get another Maquis. Oh, yeah, it'll just be like what we did to the fucking Native Americans. Yeah. <sighs> just like Picard's Spanish ancestor. Anyway, my point was, he's, he's got all the Europeans covered. My point uh, about this whole thing was that I enjoyed the attempt that TNG made at this. Oh, yeah. What score did you give So it? I gave it a six. Okay. Uh, ben gave it a four. Good supporting acting from Endar. He leaned in and I could believe he was the adoptive father. Grandmother Admiral seemed like she'd been briefed about what hot buttons to push on, talking about family, nobility, and succession and such. I had the exact same thought. That they uh, must have said to her, like a crafted message, right? <laughs> they're like, "Hey, uh, here's what the Talarians think about things. Maybe try to win this kid over with some of that stuff." Um, I mean, she wasn't wearing gloves or holding a knife or anything. <laughs> great, they could have leaned. She could have gone a little further. Great if they already knew that part. <laughs> he fucking showed up on Earth and he met his grandfather, and his grandfather's a beekeeper, and he's like, "What the hell?" <laughs> it's, it's, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we don't even eat honey anymore in the future. I just do this." He like he I the, just like bees. The, I think they're neat. The kid swats one of the bees, and the grandfather has a freak out. Um, the symbolic glove removal was good, I guess. Uh, ben says about how in the end he finally does take off his gloves so he can touch Picard's dome. Anyway. It was a four for Ben. What about you? It's a two for me. Well, we were a little off on that one. Um, there's some big mistakes in this episode, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, one, one third of this story is Picard learns to parent. Yes, and I agree. That was the part that does not belong with the rest of my take. It's not important. It's it's a very it's very weak, and shoehorning that in means that they missed the opportunity to have Worf be the parent instead because Jono is almost exactly Worf. Mm-hmm. Like Sergei Rajenko didn't kill Worf's parents. Some Romulan did. I don't know. I wasn't but there. But it's still wild that he just found this kid and said, you're mine and you live in the Federation now. And again, we are never told if any attempt was made to return him because again, he is a prince and yeah. someone would probably be interested. 
You think, well, you'd think so. Either his family or their like, retainers they, or his enemies. They didn't know about Kern because he hadn't made it to his 100th day ceremony or whatever the fuck. Yep. But, uh, well, like, worse, Nanny's alive? He has retainer after retainer after retainer yeah, after it retainer. Is true. We constantly meet like, <laughs> retainers for the House of Moak. At one point, this dude shows up pretending to be like the major domo of the House of Moog. Yeah. And Worf's like, oh, he's got the right knife. That's right. Look, it, either his allies or his enemies would be interested in having him. That's all I'm saying. So it's not uh, clear that any attempt was made to return Worf. So anyway, it should be a Worf episode. He sees humanity differently. He's an adult with some experience bouncing out culture and origin. Mm-hmm. His people are be, warlike. It could be Worf who thinks he should be returned and Crusher who thinks he shouldn't and Picard mediates. It's a big Ooh, miss. Even better. Again, Picard tells him he has to keep the kid and Worf returns him because Worf just does what he wants and then Picard has to put it in his fucking... Yeah, record. something like that. Uh, it's a big mess. Then they deliberately introduce this ambiguity around child abuse because Michael Piller or whoever is one of these divorce panic men's rights guys mm. and he wanted he specifically wanted to draw a parallel with allegations of abuse in custody battles yeah because it was bitch of an ex-wife like every Some, week listen that's what these writers rooms are yep. right everyone's got a bitch ex-wife my bitch of an ex-wife said i hit arcade it i did but only every once in a while <laughs> right anyway they do a shitty job resolving it and then they give him insane ptsd reactions that yeah. strongly suggest he's not well mentally yeah um, they make him old enough in one culture to make a decision, but not in another. And they, so then that's an, again, a needless ambiguity in an episode that's not about growing up and the age of majority. Mm. It just was amateur hour in the writer's room this week. Yeah. And you're right that normally TNG seems like they would be interested in solving his mental distress and like making uh-huh. him whole and making him healed. But the, he just goes home with all of his same shit. Yeah. Makes it maybe uh, more haunted. Uh, frankly, worse. Yes, maybe because more Because it doesn't seem he... like he was having those hallucinations when he was Jono and just hanging out on ship Jackoff well, with his four buddies. I don't know that part. Maybe he still was, but certainly he's more haunted now after he had like a really nice time with his Earth peeps, and now he's going to go back to these guys. And also, he stabbed a guy who was real that nice to him who he liked. He stabbed a guy for sure, and now he's like... You know Endar's shit. When he gets back to the homeworld... Endar's going to have to answer for why he, there was almost a war. Yeah. And what if he starts resenting Jono? It's true. Like, this is it for Endar. What if they make Endar cut his rat tail, like, because of the shame of what he did? He's going he's gonna to get his rat tail cut off. It's going to be a real problem. And this is going to be it for him, by the way, is uh, training ships. Yeah. That's Endar now. Yeah. Forget becoming Commodore Endar. That's right. <laughs> And so he's just going to hate Jono every time he looks at him. So, yes, it is. He's going to start telling him not to make the banar. It's going to be real bad. It's a problem that the kid's emotional distress is just not. They don't. They raise all of the things about it, and then they go, I don't know. I guess Endar will figure it out. So just not up to par this week. I gave it a two. Uh, You talked me down to where Ben is at a four. Okay. That's interesting. There are some things wrong with it. I don't... The only reason I don't agree about the Worf thing is because they already fucked the shit up by having him adopt that other kid. The Aster kid. Oh, yeah. He adopted him for a minute. Well, but, I, uh, but he'd only adopt this guy for a he, minute, too. He ain't He ain't still hanging out in that blue room. I just... I, I think they probably... My guess... Well, no. They, they didn't think far enough about this, but... 
can you imagine them going and then Worf adopts the kid and someone goes, but um, he already, he got that other kid. And the guy's like, what? And he's like, that kid from, what was that, last season? The, Marla, the, after Marla Astor died? And the guy's I don't know what that then is. Her, then an alien impersonated her? The, Do you not? The writer, any of this? The writer goes, I don't know what that is. And the other guy goes, you, ain't, you haven't watched any Star Trek, have you? And he goes, no. And then he goes, well, don't you think you should? And he goes, I don't care. And that's what I happened. used to write on Turner and Hooch. Right. You leave me alone. <laughs> so, yeah. So I assume. I assume that's why. But maybe they just didn't think about it. Yeah. I'm a three on world building. Okay. Uh, we have the Galen border conflict, Talarian society, uh, this uh, limited war with the mighty Federation really tells you how 1992 felt about America's place in the world. Mm-hmm. Like this was going to be it for us right from now on. Yeah. Is these little rinky dink shits where we step on somebody's toes and then we have to be the bigger man. Yep. That's All right. right. That's that's what this is. The terrible dark future of the United States and of course the, exactly. their sci-fi surrogate the uh, Starfleet. Um yeah, otherwise there's not I gave it the standard 3. I frankly I could see a 2, but I gave it the standard 3. Yeah, Ben gave it a 3 as well. Talarian's wail when frightened, the banar. Wasn't clear why they were doing. Were they frightened, or were they just like? I felt like it was like a symbolic mourning or something. Yeah, maybe for their being separated or their captivity. Yeah. When, when he tells Endar that he's not allowed to make the Banar, and in a kind of a nice touch, Endar gets a look on his face like, "So, ah, uh, this kid still thinks the Banar's important." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Uh huh." I don't want to tell this kid about the Tooth Fairy yet. Yeah. Uh, he's like, I'm sure you grieved as much as the rest of them in your heart. <laughs> like, <laughs> he gives him a this. Not don't none of this matter. Yeah. Um, but it definitely seemed like it was some kind of symbolic grief or mourning and not fear. Yeah, Ben says he likes the, the he likes the Talarian greeting, pressing foreheads together. Um, and there's zero security on the captain's quarters. He says, but I assume Picard gave everyone the this guy. This kid's okay. I don't think Picard ever gave him permission to be there. Picard uh, misplayed this whole thing. He's like, I was with my captain, and Picard took him to his quarters and then said to him, oh, there's nothing in here a kid would be interested in. And it's full of, like, knives and shit. <laughs> That's right. First, just sitting on his desk is a Klingon knife. The kid picks up everything in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then when Picard comes back and he's just moved in. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess maybe he didn't give him permission. But he I don't think he ever officially gave him permission to be there. <laughs> he's, and he's just... Troy's going to be mad at me if I kick him out. Yeah. He doesn't want to... He went in to ask Troy for just like a little fucking help. Just anything. And she was like, tell me about your childhood. And he was like, what the fuck did I expect? <laughs> yep. uh, I'm, uh, you know what? I'm the asshole for thinking you'd help me. I'll know better next time. <laughs> Uh, I also had it as the standard three, uh, the Galen border conflict, the detonators used by the Talarians are not detectable by Starfleet scanners or tricorders. Um, yeah, but they really flush out Talarians and we'll never see them again. Why, it's wild. Well, apparently they haven't worked on that problem because they've been fighting with these, they fought with these dudes a while ago, but they still assume they can't detect those things. Um, uh, these guys respect male authority figures. They don't have equality of the sexes, I guess. And uh, they're xenophobes too. Cool, cool, cool. Because uh, he perp- he specifically mentions he won't take off his gloves. He doesn't want to touch an alien or whatever. Yep. The Alba Ra. 
which again was pretty fucking hot. Uh, a lot of locations are mentioned as battles between the Telerians and Starfleet, so I guess it was another significant conflict of some kind. Uh, Crusher's worried about Stockholm Syndrome in this one, so that survived in the 2300s. That's still a valid psychological theory. Um, adulthood in the Telerian world is the age of decision, and it happens at 14, but again, Telerian years? Earth years? Uh, it's a real good question. Does it happen to just line up, Was or this does the universal translator be like, well, he said 13 years, like, it translates to 13 years, nine months, and five days, but <laughs> let's just say 14. It's, Everyone will understand what that means. Yep, yeah, it's like, it's a third rail question of sorts, how they talk about time and things. It's... Oh, duh, can't wait to talk about the next one, then. <laughs> um, let's see, Space Racquetball. There's one great line that they threw into the TOS episode this week that's just a, oh, that's that, just destructive. It makes no sense at all. Um, mostly Telerian stuff that won't matter next week, except maybe the idea of the past war between them. That kind of adds to the universe and what's been happening in Starfleet, but we'll, we'll never hear from them again. Um, so three for me as well. Um, characterization. Uh, Crusher, who was real good with kids last week, she doesn't get too far with this kid because she's a lady. Yeah. Uh, she wasn't good with kids last week. Well, she certainly thought she was. She thought she was crushing it by making by making that by uh, angrily asserting that, that kid did a lot of pranks too. <laughs> and then telling Data telling Data in the end exactly what brothers do in all cases. The fuck do I do with that, Doctor? What if your brother is a Severin? Does that does that change <laughs> anything? Uh, I think Dave Severin forgave Bob Severin. Right. What was about Bob Severin? I was going to say, did Bob forgive Dave, though? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good question. All right. Anyway. Sorry, everyone. Um, Worf is kind of stern with this boy. He also believes that his genetics mean he knows that men and women are equal because of his genetics. Yeah. You are human. <laughs> um... I used to be a good character. <laughs> Remember a couple of years ago when I was pretty all right? Wait till you see me in Deep Space Nine. Oh my god. Worf, who loves battle, asks whether it's worth it to fight over this kid. So I guess it's probably really not worth it. Because he loves battle. <laughs> but it must not be. And he's like, what? This is dumb. Uh, Picard can't believe he has to be around this kid because Troy said so. Uh, this week he's crazy out of touch and... T- he tells Troy she may not know this, but he's bad with kids. Yeah. And she does a little laugh at him. That's what they, they're even doing what they did to Worf. They're doing to Picard. It is true. Um, he didn't have any friends when he was a kid because he was so into Starfleet. And uh, he did write a report about starships. We do know that. It won a ribbon. It did because he went to school in France. <laughs> Can you imagine getting a ribbon for your essay? That's true. It, you know, talk about participation trophies. I don't remember. Were ribbons ever handed out for anything we did in school? Uh, I got some ribbons on the swim team. Uh, sorry, what the swim club. Yeah, I don't remember. For, but that was for races. I remember getting like a certificate for like student of the month or something. You didn't get a ribbon. No, no ribbons. I don't remember a ribbon. Um... He grows to care about the boy and decides to send him back without consulting Starfleet once he hears how this kid feels post-stabbing. Uh, Troy does good work when she acts like it was news to her that Picard sucks with kids. 
she goes, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Um, Riker didn't like Captain Endar's fucking tone. No. Fucking stands up, walks toward the view screen, and is like, not even a thank you. Uh, did he meet Endar in person? Does he know Endar's his height or taller? <laughs> no, he can't tell from the view screen. <laughs> we didn't talk about this, but Endar's a big, meaty boy. Yep. Wesley's a very good sport. Um, I gave it a standard five. I was down the middle on it. But you know what? All those comments were bad. I gave it a four. <laughs> well, I gave it even one less. I gave it a three. Uh, Picard does a really shitty job as a parent. Mm-hmm naturally but the idea that he didn't have friends as a kid and was laser focused on becoming a starfleet officer is such a weird justification for his phobia and we are told that's exactly what it is because that's where troy's line of questioning is going yeah troy is just an awful therapist by the way it's not her job i don't care what anyone says her job (laughs) is to read minds on the bridge and every time we see her do therapy it's like oh this sucks it does it listen it sucks dick that Devonani Rawl was right about that. Mm-hmm. But that's 100% what's happening up there. And also, I mean, look. <laughs> it's obviously her job to read minds. That's the only reason she would be on the ship. Why would Picard have her otherwise? He doesn't care about therapy. He hates her. <laughs> it seems that way. Like, he's not like, oh, she serves a really important role on this ship. Like, no, he needs her to fucking tell him what the Romulans are doing. Why do you want to go back to visit Labar, France? I'm from there. Oh, my God. I'm from, I'm from there, and it's been a long time. And also, hey, I just got, like, got. And I just want to go back to the village and wear my loose fucking shirt and maybe see Lewis, though I don't really like him. Hey, you were no help with the Borg, and now you're giving <laughs> yes. me this? You can't, you, I can't believe that Data was saddled with you. I'm going to talk to Riker and make sure that this doesn't happen again. <laughs> Why don't you tell me how Riker's going to fight with the Hathaway? <laughs> tell me again. You shouldn't say that. You should say, tell me again. And then just stare right into her fucking face. You go, that's what I fucking thought. Um, Crusher's abuse theory appears to be racist in origin. So that's not an amazing one. <laughs> yeah, whether it's true or not, she does it because she doesn't like Talarians. And no one else is in this one in any meaningful way. Yep. So I gave it a three. Uh... Did we say that Ben's a four on this one? Yeah, it's a four. Picard seems to think that he has to justify himself to Troy, which is stupid. He does often just play. He'll play with her for some reason. She will lead him down a line of questioning, and he will, like, he'll do the thing our dad used to do where he would insult himself and then go, wait a minute. Yes. Like, Picard will start to actually do these and then go, I'm not talking about this. (laughs) Yeah, Troy is definitely his orange teddy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> Stop. Stop writing down episode titles during the show. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to forget them. Um, uh, what about um, quick ones? Yeah. Uh, ben thinks it's weird that Troy's standing up by tactical and then she just like uh, suddenly appears in front of Picard and woodenly delivers a line. Yeah. Uh, and also he thinks that it seems like Jonah didn't intend to kill Picard. Um. Yeah. I did have some quick hitters. Do it. What What happened in sickbay? Did Troy say, take off your gloves? And then Jono said no. And then she said, come here, you little shit. I'm going to eat those fucking gloves. <laughs> How did it become a fight? Why is he running around attacking everybody? <laughs> I, <laughs> I hope she went like this. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> 
then when everyone rushed back in, she was like, he won't let me take I, off his gloves. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Um, you know, the guy next door started hearing the banar and was like, what the fuck? I start work at 2 a.m. That's right. Just... Oh, just, great. Worf just took him to some quarters. There was someone next door. Oh, great. We got a new neighbor. Oh, no. Good news. He's real fucking loud. Picard could have asked why he was making the Banar or anything about it, but instead he just tells him to knock it off. Yeah, he was a real Vulcan in this one, just not intellectually curious in any way. Also, he goes into that room where Jono is sitting cross-legged on a bed with no sheets, and he's like, do you want uh, some... Uh, pictures to look at <laughs> what does that mean is there anything you need in this room like mean... you get some pictures for the walls or oh i thought he meant like porno maybe do you, do you, do you want me to get you a connect for now you need two people to play connect for <laughs> shit i don't know how to do this uh no sheets though no sheets no blankets just sitting on that bed <laughs> there's nothing here a young person would be interested in get your hands off of my cool klingon knife for when i was chud each and killed two assassins outside an old lady's house on chronos <laughs> I'd tell you about it, but it's so boring you'd hate it. You wouldn't want to hear about it at all. Uh, though uh, now that I think about it, though, you were talking about his accommodations. Is that, you suppose it's a one or two bathrobe situation? Uh, it's a very good question. Normally, it, this place seems so swanky, but you're right that that one seemed incredibly ill-prepared to have a guest. That bed was a fucking pull-out couch, so I'd be surprised there was a bathrobe in there at all. <laughs> There's one towel, but it's one of those ones where you're like, is this a hand towel or for your whole body? It's not very big. <laughs> yep. uh, hey, Troy, I don't think you can make angry faces at Captain Picard and then stomp out of there. Mm. I know he lets you wear your rompers on the bridge and everything, but he is captain of the whole ship. I know you got to sit in the captain's chair last week, but he is still the captain. Yeah. Talarian music slaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you can explain this to me. Why do I find audio hallucinations less odious than if we saw a hallucination that he was having oh well they definitely what's well, because you know 100 percent of the time they do a bad job with those okay. it would have been a real hack job so just to see this kid face acting is nowhere near as bad <sighs> jeremiah i mean you have to see face but yeah I Jer- guess, but jeremiah, you, you still would have no! seen you would have had to see a little kid cry crowd for his mom yeah. who was all Mama. red or whatever. she was all red <laughs> She wouldn't look at me. I don't know what he said. <laughs> Something like that. Um, Endar's going to come in here and try to claim the law of surprise with Picard. Picard's never seen the Witcher. <laughs> don't ask me about it. I don't want to hear it. I don't know anything about the Witcher. Uh, also, Picard, tell that boy the truth. She's a vice admiral. I counted the pips. Oh, good. Yeah. She's not that high and mighty. Yeah. Hey, uh, where do I get these space racquetball jumpsuits? I'm looking for a fresh new style. <laughs> well, you know, you're working on your fitness. You're going to need I'm some new saying. gear. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, the crew must have loved seeing Picard and this little kid walking back to his quarters in their matching terry cloth jumpsuits. Because when he's when he's trying to figure out what, what the hell's happening in his quarters, they're still dressed for racquetball. <laughs> it's true. They did just walk back like that. Yeah, they're not got no like locker room over there, I guess. Uh, sure they do. That's where Picard keeps his uh, fencing mask and everything. Like, sometimes there is... Oh, that's where he keeps his lockers. saddle. Yeah. Isn't it? Or is it just sitting in his quarters? I think his saddle's in his quarters when we get to Starship Mine is and it literally, get to see Tuvok again. Is it literally just sitting there? He just... It's just out? It's not there in this one, but that's because... 
they forgot that he does horses. Now he does racquetball. He should have taken the kid horseback riding, but then they would have had to pay Bill Shatner to rent those horses again. <laughs> um, Wesley must fucking hate this unofficial duty of his to be the kids the adults trust. Mm. Like, that was 100% a setup. There's no way that Riker and Wesley are eating ice cream together nope. in 10 forward and Picard comes in with that kid and no one's like, what the hell's Picard doing here? Let's mutiny. <laughs> he never comes here. All right. Oh. My, my quarter's 10 minutes. Full setup. Oh uh, yeah. No, for sure. Riker took Wesley there and Wesley didn't know why he was there. And then that kid showed up and Wesley went, Oh fucking again. Fuck. Here's how, you know, data has emotions. Riker tells him to access your databanks under humor, subheading slapstick, and Data doesn't immediately say, that's not how any of that works. <laughs> that's true. Yep. He plays it pretty cool there. Or like, well, that's racist. What a racist mess. <laughs> yeah, why don't you fucking get your fucking meat brain working on this one, fat you boy? You could have just said it was slapstick. You didn't have to tell me to fire up my databanks. <laughs> you tell me to use a drop-down menu? How would that work <laughs> in my own head? subheading slapstick <laughs> that how you think this goes um or maybe we didn't see when Riker saw Picard come into 10 forward and gave data a mutiny look maybe it did happen and we just didn't see it yeah that plot never plays out on camera best actor Riker laughing at Wesley because he got an ice cream face uh again possibly that was just because Frakes really did laugh about it <laughs> Worst actor, Wesley trying to order a fresh banana split for his friend, all cool. Yeah. Like he's the guy who orders cool. Yeah. He's like, don't worry, I got this. I know how to order ice I'd like ice another cream. banana split and uh, one for my friend here. Extra banana. That's the there's good a, stuff. There's a tip in it for you if you get it to me quick. <laughs> uh, I got some. Give them to me. One, Troy's hair is crazy tall this week. Why is it so tall? Not tall trying. like with the hair jewelry like she's had in season one. Right. She's trying something new. Like puffed up. Um, look, you know, she lost that uh, hair necklace and uh, I think that little kid of hers stole it on the way out. <laughs> he was curious. Who has been in her quarters? Oh, Devonani Raw probably took it. It's probably <laughs> Devonani Raw. By the way, you know we both when Devin Honeyroll said that thing in that episode about how she does all she does is read minds, we both at home went, Yeah. <laughs> yeah you tell point. her. Why does she have a seat on the bridge? Don't let her sass you like that, Devonani. Neg her some more. <laughs> um look, you normally do the research and we have talked about how much that song rocked. Who composed this wild fucking tune, the Alba Raw? Oh, uh, I don't know. The normal guy. That just the space music guy that they get. Yeah. Yeah, it was not called out in the memory alpha. You fucking killed it. I don't do the research till after I'm done with the episode, in case anyone's wondering. Okay. Usually I do that while I'm trying to... Figure out what the tape what was? Yeah, what's happening when I do the memory alpha research is I'm hoping that somewhere in there, there'll be a quote from one of the writers who was like, we were trying to do an episode about slavery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't care what they were trying to do. <laughs> I look at the episode and I go... Is it possible they were trying to do this? Because if not, I'm not going to. Uh, don't worry. It's never satisfying. Yeah. I don't know why I go to Memory Alpha. I never find anything useful there except, ah, oh, that's the lady who played Bator. That's right. Um. Again, I never noticed Endar's tiny little rat tail until this time watching. I've it's s- very gross. Uh, some. I don't know. Do you like it w- better or worse than a Jedi Padawan side rat tail? Um. Well, better, I guess. 
the okay. the Padawan rat tail is not cool. It's not great. But I've seen this episode like 40 times. It, first of all, it's a big dude. Yeah. The two other guards he comes on board with are also big and they're armed, but they say nothing and they just look like normal people. Yep. I think they have helmets on. I think they have, they do. Uh, you know, 1920s leather helmets on <laughs> yep. and uh, uh, or, or like a Taekwondo headpiece, but it's been painted black. Something like that. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot to take in with this guy. Yeah, but he's he, like a f- fat, um, outrageous O'Connor, th- Thaddeus O'Connor. Yeah, kind of. Except instead of full ponytail, it's rat tail. Yeah, I um, but just a rat tail. I never ever noticed. I've seen it forty times, but this time when they they have one shot from the side. <laughs> yep. In that conference room when he goes to meet with Jonah, and I went, "Oh my god, what's he doing back there? So grody." <laughs> he's got a sweet Trans Am, though. You know it. <laughs> Uh, John loves Endar because he gets to ride in his sweet Trans Am. I was scared when Riker was left in charge. He loves shooting, and there were three of those other ships, and I thought, oh, man, if Picard's out for another ten minutes, there's going to be so many dead Talarians. It's going to be really uh, Picard bad. knew it, too. That's why he fucking raced to the bridge. He raced? I mean, he did put on his uniform. That's what I was going to say. show up there in his scrubs. He did race, but he also put on his uniform, so... Uh, again, we've spent plenty of time. It's time to move on. We're only three through here, and we're two hours uh-huh. in. This is two hours in. I know. I know, man. Um, but luckily, there's not much to talk about this week. <laughs> uh, second place uh, <laughs> last week was TOS. This week, we watched The Savage Curtain. You've seen this episode. What do you think the title means? Oh, um, I honestly, when I finished watching, I had that thought in my head and I assumed I spaced out and missed somebody say it. (laughs) No, I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, it's called the Savage Curtain. Okay. Kirk and Spock are talking about impossible carbon life forms on a volcanic planet they're orbiting. Yeah. And it turns out that there's a space legend about intelligent life down here. I'm so surprised that we have yet another impossible civilization. That's correct, yeah. yeah. Uh, Anyway, I guess they've been there for a while and they didn't find anything because Kirk has Uhura sent a report to Starfleet that no one answered the door and they can't beam down because it's nasty down there. He put in the CRM, LVM, we'll call back Friday. (laughs) Uh, and at that point, they suddenly get probed, and then an image of Abraham Lincoln appears on the screen. <laughs> Sitting in his fucking chair like it's the Lincoln just Memorial. right off the Lincoln Memorial. <laughs> they just took him right off the fucking back of the penny and put him up there. Um, he tells Kirk that he is the real Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> and he promises to come aboard when Enterprise is over his position on the planet in 12 and a half minutes. And sure enough, an area of the planet suddenly becomes green and habitable. Hey, why are you using that antiquated terminology for how much time it's going to take? Uh, it's a good question. You're right that Abe Lincoln asks, do you use minutes? And Kirk says, we can convert to them. And that if, But if you think about that, you're going to die. <laughs> it's like, that's all they've ever used. It's all they've used in the whole show. Well, Scotty had 15 minutes to fix the goddamn... Antimatter to reverse the goddamn antimatter or the whole ship was going to blow up. Star dates are almost never used. The only yeah. thing that they use is hours and minutes and seconds. <sighs> yep, exactly. Um, 
in fact, we know that there's a minutes and seconds counter that goes backwards when the ship goes back in time <laughs> on the bridge. And the light changes, you know. And turns to, turns to red, and then it starts counting backwards. Uh, Kirk orders everybody into full dress mm. and goes to the transporter room where some security guards have been sassing off about, are we really going to render presidential honors yeah. to whatever the fuck? To, to alien Abe Lincoln. They um, they get a brief reading of a mineral creature with heavy foreclaws, but then all of a sudden there's a human form down there, and he beams up, and they play a tape, and it's Abraham Lincoln. And Honest Abe doesn't understand what taped music or the transporter is, but he does appear to be human. So Kirk takes him on a big tour of the ship while Scotty and McCoy gossip a little about their guest, and I guess get angrier and angrier. As they sit well, in the we don't conference see room? It. We don't see it, but they get angrier and angrier over the next couple of hours. <laughs> yep. The tour makes it to the bridge where Uhura comes over and explains that mm. words uh, don't have any power. <laughs> if you don't let them have power, words have no power. So go ahead and N-word it up, everybody. Yeah, everyone should be allowed to say the N-word because really, it's if you get offended by it, you've got the problem. Because, yeah, because being offended by it is a mental illness that you have, and in the future, it won't matter. So yeah, it's no big it's deal. Okay. You can call me honky. I don't get mad. Anyway, this scene sucks a dick. Um, Lincoln appears to understand some of, of Vulcan philosophy, and he knows that there's a great Vulcan down on the planet. He doesn't know how he knows it, though. Mm-hmm. Anyway, at this point, McCoy and Scotty are real angry that Kirk has has been treating Abe Lincoln like he's the real deal. So when he and Spock go to the conference room, they just shout at him. Yeah, they say, "Don't go down there! Don't go down there! Don't take Spock down there! My God! Well, please don't." Uhura tells Kirk that they've been waiting in the conference room for two hours, and I don't remember them saying they were going to be there. And I don't blame Kirk for not knowing that they were there. How was he supposed to know? I don't remember them saying that. He left them in the transporter room with no instructions, and these two idiots just—they they <laughs> were like, the "He's definitely going to take Avi Lincoln to the lie detector room, right? <laughs> yeah. So we should go there." But they didn't tell anyone until a couple hours have passed, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, <sighs> Spock says he thinks that Lincoln appeared to them because Lincoln is Kirk's big personal hero. Oh, cool! We never knew that. Now before. we know. Now we know. So. It wasn't one of the guys who ended up being a Nazi on some planet? Nah, it turns out it wasn't. Okay. Um, so Kirk says, listen, we're definitely going down. What am I going to do, not go down? Right. So they change back into their normal uniforms. He specifically gives that order, and then they beam down. Okay. But their phasers and tricorder don't make it down there. Yeah. They do have their communicators, but they can't make contact with the Enterprise. And on the ship, the power starts fluctuating. So Kirk's mad, and he wants answers. And Lincoln is still saying, listen, I don't know, man. All I know is I'm Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> I know that I'm supposed to tell everyone all the time, too. This, is, to make uh, this sure. is real, and I'm really him. And he here's my buddy, Serac of Vulcan. I was told. Serac of Vulcan or Serac of Vulcan. <laughs> depending on, well, depending on who's saying it and three different ways of Shatner saying it. Yeah. You might say it any which way. And he... He's got a real cool tunic, and he is a, a peacenik, and he's got very blue eyes. Fucking boat-necked, that thing. It's a boat-neck for real. <laughs> um, 
Surak is not cool at all. He sasses Spock for having emotions. Yeah. Oh, he totally calls him on it. He's like, hey, I saw that fucking look on your face. What was that? Hey. And Spock knows. Hey, you suck. Spock knows what he did. He has to go, uh, uh, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Okay, I did. I did, I, have, I did have an emotional I had an reaction. emotion. It's not a big deal, though, because I don't have them anymore. They went away now. Uh, Kirk says they've played enough games and suddenly a rock monster appears. <laughs> basically, General Crag from Dimension X shows up. TOS, you will be missed. <laughs> and he says, uh, listen, I'm from the planet Excalbia, and countless there are watching. This whole thing's a TV show. Wait, this planet is an Excalbia? No, I don't oh, think it fuck, is. fuck, I don't even know what's happening then. I have the, this planet's Excalbia. Okay. Listen, it fucking could be. It's a lava world and he's a rock monster. Yeah, I thought, It would make sense. In the end, he just turns back into one of those rocks, so I assumed. But he definitely makes it seem like people are watching this on TV somewhere. Yes. Uh, Kirk's mad that he can't contact the ship, and he's like, cool, we'll let them watch too. And then he brings out some villains. Mm-hmm. He's got uh, Genghis Khan. Yeah. A definitely a complicated historical character. I don't know if I would go straight villain. Certainly uh, perceived by the Europeans for a long time to be a pure villain. Yeah. He definitely did not treat his enemies particularly well, but that's... There was some sacking was a, of cities. It was a different time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colonel Green, some kind of 21st century genocidal monster. Got a great jumpsuit, though. I can't wait until we're all wearing jumpsuits. A straight witch named Zora... Yes. Don't know her deal at all. But, I guess she did some medical experiments on some planet. Also, don't worry. Even though she's a nasty old witch, she's still wearing a half shirt. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's important. <laughs> and uh, Kalos the Unforgettable, a tyrant. Yeah. Also, eventually, basically the Klingon god. Yeah, I, was gonna, I have here in my notes. Don't tell Worf what side he got lined up on. Yeah, it ain't cool. It's not, he's not going to take it well. Uh, this is definitely, by the way, all this stuff comes from Kirk's and Spock's brain. So this is Kirk's version of Kalos the Unforgettable, right? Uh, is that why he's got blue eyes? Yeah, probably. Okay. Uh, does Excalbion, does he have a name? Fuck, I don't know. Oh, I don't have it. If either, if he has a name, I don't know it. I don't think he says it, but it might be in the script. He explains that. Uh, his people don't have the concepts of good and evil, mm. and he's, this is going to be an experiment. A life or death struggle to determine which philosophy is stronger. Okay. Kirk, of course, refuses to participate. He won't kill, but it's going to happen anyway. <laughs> he, and uh, as if to say, kill. no more arguments, the dude turns right back into a rock. So first thing happens, Colonel Green comes over, suggests a truce. Well, they try to figure out how to get off this planet because the rock man's the bad guy. Yo, I've read history. What's Colonel Green known for? Uh, sneak attacks. Attacking sneak attacks while he's, while he's under a flag of truce. Yes. That's his main deal, and guess what? That's what happens this time. Uh, he almost has Kirk convinced that he's not the bad guy history's painted him as when his three buddies just start throwing rocks. Yeah. That's the big sneak attack. They throw rocks. They could have done that without the sneak attack, by the way. Yeah. Um. Uh, rock guy doesn't give anyone any weapons. But they still waste a lot of time trying to make some real fucking rudimentary weapons. Yeah. They shave a lot of spears and shit. And it's like, yeah. um, it'd probably be quicker just to go in there and fight hand to hand. I mean, it could be. Who's the who's the big fierce fighter? Kalos is a whiny little wimp in this one. <laughs> yes. And uh, so it's Genghis Khan. They got to get yeah. Genghis Khan. He's big. Who looks like a big Korean guy He's or something. He's sneaky tall. 
He's pretty sneaky tall, right? Yeah. Uh, but once they get rid of him, I mean, Zora, unless she's going to cut you with her long nails, it doesn't <laughs> seem like she's a real threat. She's not going to do medical experiments on you here on this world. That's true. Colonel Green's the other guy from Quantum Leap. I'm not worried about that guy. <laughs> By the way, I tried to look up who that guy was because I thought he looked really familiar. That, oh, that's who you're thinking of. Yes. I, that, the now, other guy from Quantum Leap. Now that makes sense. I was like, nah, he wasn't in anything i ever seen, but it's because I... Slash went. the prison commander from that one episode of Enterprise. I was thinking of Al. Al? Yeah, he's Al and Ziggy's the computer. Yeah. Listen, I barely watched Quantum Leap. It's not good. I think you and I watched it like four days in a row after school. Yeah, it was definitely one of those ones that would be on at 3.30. Yeah, and then we went, all right, I think we get it. The good guys chase the bad guys off, but they agree that actually Colonel Green's right. The Excalibion's the real enemy. Mm-hmm. And um, he gives Kirk a little burn. Like he burns him a little with his heat. Oh, yeah. Kirk tries to put his hands on Rockman and gets his hands yeah. all burned. And uh, But he does let him call up to the ship so that they can learn that the engines are four hours from exploding because the matter and antimatter are in red zone proximity. <laughs> and uh, then the Excalibur tells Kirk, uh, the clock's ticking. You got to win. Yeah, if you win, you live, your, your crew lives. Right. Uh, two hours pass. <laughs> yes, two of the four. Just like two passed while Kirk was taking Abe Lincoln all over the ship, presumably showed him all the different pipes and tubes. Yep. Before he took him to the bridge, two hours pass and uh, no- nothing has happened. Kalos wants to attack everyone with sharpened sticks, but Green wants to try to get a bigger advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk finally tries to get some weapons cooking over there, but Surak tells him, I'm not going to fight. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go there as the emissary. I know these guys suck and they're probably going to kill me, but I'm a man of peace and all I can do is peace. Mm -hmm. All I got is principles and I got them to the fucking nips. Principles up to the nips. Yep. Uh, So he goes to try to make peace with Colonel Green, uh, but back at the base, they start hearing a lot of screams. People calling Spock for help. And Spock says, uh... Listen, either it's a trick or whatever, but uh, I'm not going to help him. <laughs> he even says at one point that a Vulcan wouldn't scream like that. He does which think is, that, for sure. It's pretty wild, but okay. Because <laughs> I it remember that there is one called um, Talaris, who does a lot of screaming during a mind meld. Is that her name? Valeris? Valeris. Who does all yeah, that hasn't happened yet in Spock. Who does Spock's a universe. lot of screaming during a mind meld. Also, is she a Romulan or just aligned with the Romulans? She's just aligned with them. She is, okay. in fact, a Vulcan. Anyway, Kirk can't stand the idea of doing nothing. And tricky-ass Abe Lincoln wants to attack from the rear while Kirk and Spock attack from the front. That's a fucking commando raid. Uh, but when Kirk and Spock attack, Green recognizes that a man is missing and everyone retreats to the camp and they catch Abe Lincoln there untying the already dead Serac. Mm-hmm. Because it turns out that Kalas, the unforgettable, <laughs> is a talented mimic, maybe ventriloquist. <laughs> yeah, they make him show it off. He does an impression of Abe Lincoln, too. Yep. Uh, so Lincoln dies with a spear in his back, and now Spock and Kirk are outnumbered. Yep. But it don't matter. By the way, by the way, if you did this whole description, and at the end you said, that's not what the episode was, I made that whole thing up. Oh, yeah. That would be more reasonable. It is not reasonable that this is an episode. You just yeah, said Abe he... Lincoln died with a spear in his back. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
He was killed by Genghis Khan and three <laughs> fake people. Uh, none of this matters. Kirk kills Green. Yeah. Ch- chokes him to death or karate chops him or something. I didn't even write it down. Yep. And the other three run off like cowards. And suddenly General Craig is back mm-hmm. and he tells them, I guess you won, but like, I don't think this proved anything. <laughs> it's crazy. He shits all over his own experiment. <laughs> He's just like, I mean, they they ran away, so you you guys are the winners. Win, but, but I didn't learn anything. I don't think we learned anything about good and evil. This is dumb. And Kirk yells at him, and they beam up and leave. Uh, <laughs> Spock Spock tells him. So Spock tells Kirk that they probably liked Surak and and uh, Lincoln so much because they were created from their own minds. Mm. The planet goes back to normal. And Enterprise fucks off. Yeah. What was this one about? It's not a bad question. Um. All right, I'll do Ben. It's first. so terrible when that guy shows up and he goes, "I don't think this proved anything. <laughs> none of this, none of this was anything." Like, wow, no wonder we're nearly at the end. Tos, like, wow, fuck! I just wasted forty-five minutes on this. These were these are long. This was another one where I paused it and saw we were nineteen minutes in, and I went, "Oh, there's so oh, much God left." Um. Anyway, Ben had weird shit in space. He says he thinks it was supposed to be something about the study of other beings without ethics is just cruelty, but it misses anything deeper than just being weird shit. So he gave it two points. I have sort of what the guy said in the end. There's no difference between the methods and means of good and evil, only their motivations. Meaning Kirk and Spock are good guys, but they still were just going to choke those dudes to death or whatever. But, you know, they wanted to save people or, or whatever. Um, That's nothing. It's a four. It's, you know, it's a three. <laughs> it's a three. <laughs> like, okay, thanks. Uh, Yeah, I literally what I wrote is it's the motivations rather than the means that distinguish good from evil. Yeah. M- maybe. But does that mean anything is permissible? Yes, because as long as you've got a good motivation. They spend so long playing Lincoln that the whole fight is about two minutes of stick waving. So maybe there are other differences and Kirk was just happy to leave. Also, I like that we both did take from that guy at the end going, I don't know what this was. And it's like the episode's so bad. We have to take that and go, I guess that's the episode. Well, it's the thing like he says, I don't know. There's no difference between good and evil. And Kirk said, well, what did you tell them? So they'd fight us. And he said, oh, I promised them unlimited power. And he said, I was doing it to save my crew. Yeah. And then the guy goes, I get your point. You can leave. <laughs> I get your point, but honestly, you bored me. You and your friends, you bored me, and I'm going to get in trouble because I'm programming director at fucking Excalbia Central Station or whatever. Oh, yeah, the TV ratings station. on this one ate a dick. It hasn't been this bad since McCoy and Spock came out with those shields. I don't even want to look at Space Nielsen's fucking ratings on the second half of this. Cause oh, I'm, not lo- I'm for sure not looking at the overnights. <laughs> for sure people turned this thing off halfway through. This was boring. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a three also. I mean, it's just nothing. It's just nothing. Yeah. What do you do with it? It's hard. We were each able to find a take, but we couldn't. There was, there were no points really to be had in here. Ben's a four on execution. Uh, space Abraham Lincoln, obviously dress uniforms. Uh, he thought Sulu was in charge, but it's Scotty. Does the rock man have fur? Maybe. What a funky costume. He says, what kind of sense does it make that Surak sacrificing himself would not harm the good guys? This is the exact thought I had in the moment. I mean, then it's four on three. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which obviously is bad. As soon as Surak said that, I went, well, that's not it. 
uh, these three weird aliens. Uh, well, I guess Genghis Khan's not an alien, but you know he would have been considered one to them. Sure. Uh, immediately do fall in line behind uh, slimy old Colonel Green. Mm-hmm. He says all the execution is all bad, but still, I sort of enjoyed the whole menagerie of awful. Yeah, I was not able to, and I only awarded it two points. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to use the planet hell set, don't have the alien brag about how perfectly Earth-like it is. <laughs> yep. It's weird. Uh, I was shocked when the episode was over after they killed Green and the others ran off. And it's just like, that's it? Yeah. Every time someone got hit in this episode, they just tried to run away. Yeah. And frankly, I agree with, and here I did write his name, Yarnak the Excalbion. Oh, good. Okay. The whole thing was pretty disappointing. I bet it got real low ratings on the rock planet, too. <laughs> exactly. Two points. You and I are on the same page on this one. I added it, too. Um, I was talking about my take. There's no difference between the methods and means of good and evil, only their motivations. And then I said, except that doesn't consider what Zurek did. Yep. His methods and means were very different. He I went out there and said, can we that make That accomplished peace? nothing, you fucking hippies. You fucking peacenik hippies. <laughs> yep. Also, Kirk rightly points out that it was all laid out for them, how to win and everything. So, like, their methods and means kind of had to be the same in this experiment. It doesn't yeah. mean they always will be. Yeah. Um. Hey, Lincoln. Play it cool, man. Like, this guy is definitely a TV producer and not a scientist. This is a very bad experiment. Yeah, he called it an experiment. It is not an experiment. He picked four fucking randos. Were the bad guys out of their minds, too? I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, just whatever they thought about. I guess. Yeah, these guys didn't know dick about them until Enterprise showed up, and then they probed Kirk and Spock's mind, and they're like, well, these idiots. Uh, I had, hey, Lincoln, play it cool, man. And then I went, oh, no no harm, no foul, I guess. Negris is A-OK by Uhura. Yep. She's cool with it. So you... She's like, well, why would I be offended? <laughs> no reason. Never mind. No reason. Uh, what she should have said was, I mean, you're Abraham Lincoln. I think you get a pass. It's, um... I keep talking about how close we are to the end of this. Yeah. So close now. It's crazy how few good ideas TOS writers came up with in three seasons. <laughs> I'm trying to think back at what the good ideas were. Uh. Oh, hang on. Let's just uh, let's just check TOS rankings. Hold on. Let me just filter it to only show TOS. Even the ones that did well, like. Was there a good idea in the submarine episode? Uh, no, probably not. Taste of Armageddon. That's probably the new, where they all report to the computers to get iced. Okay. The Man Trap, that got a lot of good points for being the first one. Yes, because we didn't really know. Uh, you know the what? Corbomite Maneuver, the Menagerie, the Squire of Gothos. Maybe the Squire of Gothos, I think we gave takes about not glorifying military conquest. You know, our project that is about as good as this Rock Monsters contest. Um. Yeah. Uh it claims to be comparative like we're comparing them to each other but we're kind of not we're kind of comparing them against a, a fairly standard rubric at this point but yep. in that first week i think it really was man trap compared well like it scored well compared to the other garbage pilots yeah it, it was it, less it, against it any kind of you know why because it wasn't a pilot really. yes they were just it was one hour and it was joined them in mission just doing a mission right yeah because the, they didn't want to show the damn pilot yeah uh, sorry, I got way off track here. Um, yeah, just a two for me on the execution. Uh, what about world building? Mm, 
I don't, okay, it's crazy. Ben gave it a six. Yeah. He says we can convert time to minutes? I haven't heard anything <laughs> but hours and minutes, and this would suggest that you use something other than minutes as the primary unit of time. That's a fucking black hole. That's a deadly line that he says out loud. The only thing that makes sense is if it's sarcastic, but he doesn't deliver it sarcastically, don't really. Understand. It's always minutes. I mean, they have star dates. I know. But they show up so rarely. They're in logs, and then every once in a while someone will refer to a past event as happening on star date something. And they accidentally kind of make sense if you allow that the, the run of the show was Kirk's entire five-year mission. Yeah. Like, it covers 5,000 star date points, roughly. Yeah, and I'm, we might as well. They don't tell us any time things. They don't really tell exactly. us that anything happens in any kind of timeline, so... Um, uh, Ben also has, uh, Spock's ribbons are now in a Christmas tree pattern. Kirk's is the star that tops it. And McCoy's four ribbons are an iron cross. They did have a bunch of ribbons on their dress unis. You get a really, uh, like a really super close look at them. Mm -hmm. This in this one, actually, I was looking at Kirk's for a while. Yeah. Uh, he says the transporters can sort of work, but without full power would just not put the pieces back together again correctly. Yeah, that's a dangerous mode. You should not allow it to operate. Oh, I mean, they don't. Yeah. Scotty doesn't do it, but... Uh, Spock believes Vulcans wouldn't scream under torture. For some reason, that's a, all that's a six for him. Um, For me, it was only the standard three. <clears throat> we have another impossible planet with a civilization that should not be able to exist. Uh, dress uniforms. Scotty's is all tartany. Uh, band honors and all that jazz and all the crazy ribbons Surak of Vulcan Excalbia and the cool as hell reality contest show good versus evil Colonel Green and his genocidal war of the early 21st century how early because we're out it's time we're on pace just like, is there a current Colonel Green? Because, frankly, yeah. a genocidal war it seems doesn't seem entirely out of the question right now. I'd give it good odds. Um, yeah, it's like when something says, like when it's March, and somebody says that it's uh, uh, renovations are planned to be completed in early 2020, and you go, hmm. I mean, hmm. That's, that's now. That's now or before now. When is it? Um... The, I didn't catch the lady's name from the planet Tiburon. What was her name? Zora. Zora, okay. Who did medical experiments on Tiburon. I don't know if she's from Tiburon. Uh, again, Kalis lined up on the evil side. He had kind of a wiener voice, but was... He was a real weasel in this one. <laughs> but great at impressions, as you said. Yep. Is that on the Klingon Wikipedia? Has Worf read that? Uh, it's a, it's a very good, a very good or question. Is, he is, listen, when we meet him, he is kind of doing an impression of Kalos. Is any of it true, or is Kirk just throwing some wild shit onto the Klingons? It seems like some Kirk nonsense, and that's the best way to explain why he looks like one of these old Klingons and wears the same gold lame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they put this guy in particular blackface. Like, he was... He was... Oh, he was evil, you see, so yeah. he had to be a little darker than uh, when they had the Squire of Gothos guy play in a Klingon. Right. Uh, Vulcans made, like, things like boomerangs in the past. Yep. The father image holds much meaning for Vulcans. It's interesting. Just a three for me. I, I, I don't know what to do with any of it. Well, I give it as many as five. Whoa. Uh, here's one. The nacelles can be jettisoned. Oh, yeah, I did. I do remember them saying that. Yeah. 
Enterprise has no honor guard, but taped music, and apparently they have ceremonies on file for all kinds of different world leaders. That's good. Kirk said if the Pope showed up, they'd do something or whatever. He didn't say Pope. Space but you know Pope I mean. 50. Yeah. That's what they call him. We, uh, Sirak of Vulcan, all that shit comes from this episode. Yep. And also the introduction of Kalos the Unforgettable, although this version created from Kirk's mind is pretty shitty. He's, he's, I just, as soon as he started to talk, I went, oh no. That's two major pieces of lore for these two races from this oh, dipshit episode. That's true. I wouldn't have any idea that either was going to make it. Yeah. Like, if I was just watching this, I'd be like, I don't know. Some throwaways. Like, I don't think we ever hear about... I mean, this is the guy who led Vulcans to uh, suppress their emotions and become logical, right? Yeah, that could be. Yep. He's... He's Vulcan Jesus. Oh, man, we're going to do some shit in Enterprise that's going <sighs> to... There's some shit that happens in Enterprise. It's a, You keep saying this over and over Dude, again. There's, there's not, like 20 yeah. episodes of Enterprise left. and uh, When we are done, when we are off air, I will, I will take a look at the list, and I will let you know how much there still is to come. Yeah. Because uh, there is some Vulcan shit that happens about famous Vulcans. And anyway, we'll get into it later. I'm only a three on characterization. Okay. Kirk idolizes Lincoln and Spock idolizes Sarek of Vulcan. And I guess in the end, they each act as their idols would have wanted. But we don't really learn why either of these men idolize these particular people. Mm -hmm. What's Kirk's Lincoln fascination about? It's kind of a missed opportunity. It's true. It's, uh, I think Sheridan gives us more in B5. Probably. McCoy and Scotty are way out of line in this one. Yeah. And uh, uh, Uhura's in the everybody just get over it camp, so I can only do three for characterization this week. It's fair. Ben agreed. He said it's a three. Kirk somehow doesn't know who Surak is. He's a Vulcan icon even bigger than Lincoln is for humanity. Ah, uh, yeah. Kirk hasn't bothered to ask one question like, about Vulcan shit to Spock. I know Spock's half human, but Spock knows everything about Earth. He knows. Yeah. I mean, we've been seeing it. He's an art historian, and... He's very familiar with Brahms' signature (laughs) and handwriting. But you're right. Kirk just cannot be bothered. Although, was it T'Pau? T'Pau blew his mind. He agreed to that fight to the death. He definitely did not want to look like an ass. He exactly... Just so he didn't embarrass himself in front of It's a real bad look. What the... It's like, that is motherfucking T'Pau. Oh, no. That was one of those ones. Oh, don't fuck this up. Where I spaced out and missed that point, and when you explained it to me, I was baffled. It was why. But I couldn't figure out why he why he accepted the fight. There was it's no reason. It's one of reason. the worst parts of a pretty bad episode. And you said he wanted- He doesn't want to look bad in front of T'Pau. <laughs> went, oh, no! very influential. <laughs> it's for his fucking career. Ah. Uh. Anyway, you guys both had it as a three. Um, let's see what I got. McCoy, whom I, uh, with whom I do not fuck, um, <laughs> has no scientific curiosity. He just gets mad at the idea of life on this planet. Yep. When they tell him that there's readings down there, he goes, Well, fuck you! Um, Scotty hates that they're rolling out the red carpet for this fake-as-fuck honest Abe. I should never have gone to space! <laughs> Spock always big dogs Scotty by calling him engineer. He really does. All the time. Engineer. Um, Spock also says there's no need to speculate. He fully comprehends this alien hoax immediately. (laughs) Okay. Speculation not necessary. I I knew it was for TV. (laughs) But he is still starstruck by uh, Surak. 
Kirk is happy to maybe beam into lava, given the chance to make contact with a new life form. Um, this alien totally nailed it. Kirk will fight to the death for Enterprise. Yep. Uh, Kirk takes over this whole mission, just like starts handing out orders, even with noted leader of men, Abe Lincoln, standing right there. Oh, yeah. He's not like, all right, let's talk about who should be in charge. He's just like, all right, I think maybe Abraham Lincoln. He just goes, you guys start making some weapons. That guy's a hippie. You're a scientist. <laughs> he led a whole country during wartime. I'm I'll do it. Captain of one ship. I'll do it. It's going to be me. I'm going to be the one. You guys get started Not on those weapons. Not only is it going to be me, but uh, the guy, Colonel Green, immediately knew it was going to came right to me. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's what they say. They say in war, your enemy chooses your leader. So. He didn't. He didn't even for one second say, "Holy shit, is that Abe Lincoln?" <laughs> That's right. He was not. He's surprised. also a character from my history. That's true. He wasn't surprised. He also didn't seem to be surprised by uh, his colleagues. They don't ever don't, have one conversation among them. Like, why are you here? I I don't know if Genghis Khan can speak English. He doesn't say anything. <laughs> he does throw some rocks pretty good, though. Uh, oh, he doesn't ride a skateboard. I agree. It's a three. I did a lot of downgrading this week. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Uh, quick hitters. Uh, ben just had the the Genghis actor is a big fucker. Yeah, he's a big guy. Sneaky big old boy. Uh, I got a couple. Let's have them. This is all in real time, so I wrote this during the very opening scene. We're just doing this thing, huh? Just doing space, Abe Lincoln? Yeah. This guy actually looks like Lincoln from head on. Like, they did a good job of making him look like our images of Lincoln, but um, he doesn't have that high, weird voice we've come to understand that he had based on accounts yeah, of the Yeah, well, no one, had, no one had seen the Daniel Day-Lewis movie yet, <laughs> so. At no point did he go, I'm Abe Lincoln, <laughs> like he does in that movie. Or also, like, uh, oh, no. Oh, the Grand Negus Zach, I can't remember for some Wally reason Sean. I blanked on... Well, yeah, Wally Sean. That's, you kind of did a Wally Sean voice for him. I'm Quark... <laughs> <laughs> um, the Spock stunt bubble, stunt bubble, stunt double. <laughs> Hold on, it's down. extremely bad. It's so bad that they shot it on a, from a crane, so you couldn't get a good look at him. It was really fucking terrible. It made me very sad when that rock was thrown at him and he fell down. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, the engineer reports that the emergency is increasing. Yeah, that's not good. No. You don't want the emergency to increase. That's a fucking Duolingo sentence yes. for sure. Just like, wait a minute, what? What do I do with that? Oh, thanks for the report. Engineer. 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 Emergency is... King. King. Something cité. Emergency yeah. situation. There's like two of them. One's urgent and one's an emergency. Yeah, I never it was never made clear what the difference tough. was. All right. Yeah. Um, Abe Lincoln. Anyway, he reports that it's it, that it's increasing. He reports. <laughs> yes. It's a very complicated construction, actually, in Korean. Abe Lincoln's brown skin was pretty bad. Like you could see his white ass arm in certain scenes from under his sleeve. They caked oh, yeah. some fucking brown makeup to make him. They really did brown him up real good. Was that? A real are, tan, bro. Are all pictures of him, like, sepia tone or dirty or something? Why did they have him so tan? He was so tan because it was a terrible time to be alive, and he was just <laughs> out there. They didn't have the sunscreen or nothing. Everyone looks so fucking rough in photos from then. 
Um, yeah, that's true. That's it for me. What about uh, what about you? Yeah, I got some. Uh, I wish he had said C O L N. I don't want to spell Lincoln. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I don't know what to do with this Uhura scene. Check out the big blue eyes on Soraka Vulcan. Yeah, everyone, dude. But also, was he hiding in a bush waiting for the right moment to pop out? <laughs> Wait, you mean because his corpse was there? No. Oh. Before the corpse. He just like... He's just off camera, right? Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden he, he says, and I'm also real. And he steps out from a bush. <laughs> yes, <you're> right. <laughs> what was he doing back there? Waiting for the right moment? Yep, waiting for his a cool opening. Uh, I mean, he, Zora he, wait, 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 like wait, wait, wait. he knows yeah. it's a TV show. He does know. He was told it's for TV, and so he waited to make a really cool. He's just entrance. standing on his mark. Yeah. Um, Zora sounds like she sucks, mm-hmm. but how could she compare with Genghis Khan, the guy from Quantum Leap, and Kalos? It's true. Also, Kalos the Unforgettable wants to attack when they've made these bad spears, and uh, Colonel Green says uh, these weapons suck, and he says. Better than what they got. <laughs> You're right. Yes. Better than what they got. Is he from Brooklyn? Kirk made a very colloquial. Uh, yeah. Some of the least credible stunt double work yet. Amazing. Um, so Kalos and Colonel Green and Genghis Khan and Zora are all taken from Kirk's brain, right? Why did he give Kalos Mockingbird powers? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. What <laughs> legends has he heard of Kalos the Unforgettable? I think he hasn't heard anything. He heard the name once, and he's just been building this shit up in his head ever since. <laughs> I gave best actor to Colonel Green and worst actor to Surak. Okay, that's fair. But best stylist, Surak stylist. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Fashion. Yeah, definitely. His Cordy really had it on lockdown. That's right, his Cordy. <laughs> Forgot that term. But he definitely did leave cigarettes in his car. Yes. And fucking pantyhose uh, and all kinds of shit. Oh, yeah, all kinds of shit. We've gotten through four of them. I know we're running a little long. We have one more to talk about. The winner last week was Deep Space Nine. Mm. This week we watched Starship Down. That's not fun to listen to. Okay. Cisco and the Defiant are in the Gamma Quadrant. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Chatting it up with the uh, Karama about the Quark-led trade agreement from the, the last time they met this guy. Or these guys. Uh, Quark has been fleecing these fuckers, I guess. And they yeah. want to know what Cisco's going to do about it. Meanwhile, Worf gets kind of stern with some crewmen and everybody makes shocked fucking eyes about it because Starfleet is a bunch of fucking wieners. Yeah. And they're not used to being yelled at or whatever. Uh, Kira talks about fasting for the high holidays and about how disappointing Cisco is as a religious icon. <laughs> it is pretty bad. She's like not been eating this week because it's the anniversary of his arrival on Bajor. And he didn't even fucking show up. He didn't even up go to the party? To the fucking ceremony. I think she's I know. Been, she's made dozens of as good, if not better, <laughs> jokes. <laughs> He's the talk of the office. This gets frozen out. Um, I think I know what we're getting, dude. I think we're getting a bottle episode. Yeah. Two Jem'Hadar fighters snore out of nowhere, and it is on like Donkey Kong to quote Guy Fieri. Credits. 
Uh, the Jemadar, I guess, are coming for the Karma. That's what the Karma guy says for this uh, commerce betrayal. Yeah. Uh, Defiant comes under attack, and then the Karma, uh, uh, the Karma, like go into a gas giant. They go into the atmosphere, hoping that the Jemadar won't follow them, but they do. Yeah, it's going to be just like that early episode of Enterprise where they find a Klingon ship down in one of those. Yep. Defiant follows them in, but it's real submarine in there. <laughs> Limited telemetry, no cloak. Oh, and then they do a sonar. Yeah, they invent sonar. They make, it turns out that uh, the Bajorans invented sonar in the Badlands. They make a sonar happen. On the bridge, they detect a ship below them, but they can't say for sure who it is. I say on the bridge because this episode will eventually take place in nine different places or whatever. Um, yeah. They eventually identify it as the Karma, but then the two fighters come up behind Defiant and shoot the shit out of them. Dax heads for some Jeffrey's tube to try to get the impulse power back, and O'Brien sends an engineer to go help so they don't sink into the atmosphere. Uh, O'Brien is the old-timey blue-collar boss telling stories everyone's heard and barking out orders. <laughs> For reasons, the deck that Dax and Muniz? Yeah, it's a... Uh, Frankie don't Muniz? Think about it, don't think about it too much. It doesn't seem like a real name. Fra- because they just say Muniz. Frankie Muniz. Uh, da- uh, okay, so the deck that they're on, and I think Sickbay or whatever, um, that needs to be evacuated. Fra- Frankie Muniz has been down there telling Lizzo that he'll follow her <laughs> around and carry her stuff or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, that deck needs to be evacuated and sealed off. The emergency force fields go down, and Bashir seals himself in to a like a corridor with an injured Dax to save the. I think ship. it's a turbo lift. Oh, is it? Okay, well they in yeah. it. Whatever it is, they in it. Uh, Dax fixed those engines though, so they're back in the game. Um, they find a Jemadar ship, and Cisco says to program program that a uh, new torpedo based on an atmospheric probe to home in on the the closest metallic object. Yes. Some business happens. It's not important. Just then, the Jem'Hadar come out and shoot the shit out of them before the torpedo does find its target and blows up the Jem'Hadar ship. But now the whole Defiant is busted and Sis goes out cold. Uh, okay, at this point, I am going to break it into subplots. Yeah, let's do that. All right, we got the bridge peeps. That's Cisco, Kira, and Worf to start. Engineering, that's O'Brien, and then eventually Worf. We got the bad deck. That's where Bashir and Dax are. And then we got the mess hall, I think, is where Quark and the Karama guy are. Right. Okay, on the battered bridge, Kira attends to a wounded Cisco, and um, that peon girl from earlier who got yelled at by Worf goes to find a medic to stop Cisco's subcranial bleeding. She never comes back. Yeah, but, I mean, a medic does get there later, so maybe she lived. Maybe she lived. Who knows? <laughs> Worf heads to engineering to regain control of the ship because uh, it's all, everything's everything's knocked out on the bridge. Kira begins her long, sad conversation with her religious hero, Ben Sisko. She's upset about the double separation between her and Sisko. He's her boss and her prophet, or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of, do you remember how she had long, sad conversations with the dying Vedic Barail? Mm, yeah. It's a little bit like that, but she's trying to keep him alive, and he responds occasionally. Anyway, she's upset they can't have a chill hang together. Yeah because of her it's not because of him she's upset she can't have a chill hang with him um she tries to distract him with cool stories about farmers but yeah she tells him uh three little pigs <laughs> story it's very by the way i was extremely bored by that story yeah me too 
Uh, but Cisco's getting worse, so she decides... He's definitely playing along with her when he asks more about the story. Yeah, he's being nice. Uh, Cisco's getting worse, so she decides to prey on it, Tennessee style. <laughs> For real! Um... But because of writing, it kind of works, and Cisco seems to come out of it a little bit, and he asks for more story time. Meanwhile, also she gives him a big shot of stimulants at some point. She says, "I don't really know if this is what I should do, but here you go. Enjoy the stims." Uh, meanwhile, um, Bashir is caring for a wounded Dax, and they begin their long, sad talk about Bashir's dumb life. Probably that's his usual game. Like if it's him and O'Brien stranded somewhere, he's like. He's probably telling her about that post-ganglionic monster or whatever the fuck. Again. Or maybe I'll talk about Dancer's feet. Fucking guy. In a gross turn, Bashir and Dax have to huddle for warmth. And, um... It's everyone's so cool about everything. He's not a creep at all about it, except that he feels the need to tell her his fantasy about getting stuck on a runabout with her in a dire emergency like this. It's cool, though. She's into it. Yeah, she tells him, oh, you just came on too strong. I never got a chance to know you. Instead of telling him, Oof. you were a creep and you did not listen when I told you I wasn't interested. <laughs> it's actually... And I don't know why you think it's helpful to tell me about this old fantasy you had. <laughs> yep. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Quark and the Karama guy, that's uh, Zephram Cochran, is the same guy who plays him, um, are holed up in the mess hall, maybe? Yeah. And the guy yells at Quark about being a cheat. He's been cheating him on this trade deal and he threatens to fuck up his sweet gamma quadrant dealings quark tries to flatter his way back into his good graces they argue about the merits of greed and chance and the thrill of commerce uh then they get a dud torpedo stuck in the wall yep uh the jemhadar shoot it and it just sticks in the wall kind of glowing and uh and off gassing yep and quark convinces the guy they'll have to disarm it while working on it, the Karma guy says that they sell these torpedoes to the Gemidar, so he's kind of familiar with them. Um, anyway, of course, because of writing, it comes down to a 50-50 fucking wire cut scene. Quark teaches the guy about uh, how cool gambling is when he reaches in and yanks out a diode, and luckily it's the right one, because who knows how many jobs Armin Shimmerman will get after this series. That's a good point. Tough if he got written out. And they just introduced Worf as a character. Someone is not getting screen time, so. That's right. And I, I, we talked offline, but this show ends up having like 50 characters, so. Yeah. You gotta be careful. Um, he convinces the guy to stay in business with him, and uh, I, somehow, and then they get negotiating. Just sitting there in the mess hall while all this shit's going on around him. All right, Worf finally gets to engineering. He starts being a stern boss again, and the engineers basically cry a little bit. When he's mean to him. Um, the remaining Jemadar ship fires off a couple of torps. The first one misses and the second one impacts in the mess hall. That We already talked about that one. Um, Worf is being too mean. So O'Brien asks him to go easy on the team. Worf tries to talk to the engineers about D&D. And then they're <laughs> like, oh, he's cool like us. Now I'm motivated. Why don't we use the deflector dish to channel all the power from the phaser generator since the emitters are fused? I mean, specifically, O'Brien tells him he's not making good use of these personnel, that they're engineers, and he needs to give them problems and let them solve them. Oh, is that what happened? I can't. Instead of just uh, doing a Riker and asking, what, could we trick the transport into thinking <laughs> we're data? It's true. They, these guys aren't Jordy. They're not going to be able to run with it from there. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
he, he tells basically tells him, hey, these are some scrubs. These guys didn't go to the academy. You know how normally I don't have any engineers in here at all? Well, that's why. Well, I've got two now, but they're not good. Yeah. Uh, Worf says he only needs one shot. Cool. Um, they find the last gem hit our ship, and they use their new weapon to blast it straight to hell. Yep. I assume someone said that. The search for the Karma ship resumes, and soon we have a Worf's log about how everything worked out fine in the end. Back on DS9, it's a gruff voice-off between the Karma guy and Odo, and this guy loves gambling now, and he wins big at Dabo to show Quark who's the boss, or whatever. Uh, Dax saves Bashir from a boring conversation with Morn that honestly sounded kind of interesting. Yeah. Morn's got 17 siblings. It's a lot. Like, I want to hear about it. Um, then the engineers invite Worf to their D&D game, and he's cool with them too. So that all works out. And then Kira and Sisko talk business a bit, and then we get the cheesiest DS9 moment yet when Sisko gives Kira a ball cap, Homestead Greys. Homestead Greys, for sure. And invites her to the holodeck to watch baseball. So they're going to be yeah, friends. she gets to not know what hot dogs are. Yeah, she doesn't know what a hot dog is. Ha! And next week is Roswell. Oh, fuck you. So, what was this? How dare you? What was this piece of shit about? Uh, uh, Ben's take uh, for this episode is seeing another person's perspective can be helpful. Mm. And he thinks that's a four. Yeah, he says based on the Worf O'Brien and Quark Karama guy. Right. Uh, I This episode is a DOS boat. Mm-hmm. Someone saw it on TV and said, let's do that. That's not a joke that I'm making. That's from memory alpha. Uh-huh. They're not trying to say anything here. The take I have for it is at the end of the day, it's the friends you made along the way that matter most. Mm. I mean, this is just breaking people up into little groups so that they can work on their relationships. Oh, right? like uh, the episode twisted. This is a little bit of a twisted. <laughs> <laughs> Remember they thought they'd try some new pairings, except we hate oh, all of shit. them. Hold on a second. I gotta look back and see what I gave Twisted. Well, no one gave it much. Because if I no-taked Twisted, <laughs> nah, I gave it a one. It's uh, How many points right. did we give Twisted, though? Uh, oh, Hold on. I, sorry, I had just searched for it. Mm. It got a total of nine. <clears throat> Between the two of us, it got nine. That's not good. Uh, I guess I can only give this a one, then, for that take. <laughs> I had a two, but one it is. Uh, yeah. They're not trying to say anything. This is just, uh, submarine movies are cool. Yeah, I was very confused. I had two that it could have been, but it wasn't either of them good enough to be either of them. It's either that one again about a shared trauma bringing people together, because afterward everyone's real cool with each other, and they show us that on purpose. Yes. Or maybe it's that you can learn a lot from an unlikely source, right? And that's what Ben called out with Worf and O'Brien and uh, Quark and the alien guy. Right. Is it both? Is it neither? I mean, Cisco and Kira and Dax and Bashir don't learn anything from each other, but seem closer, maybe. I mean, they yes, they 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 progress emotionally, mm-hmm. S- sort of. And Quark teaches Mister Karma, and specifically not Odo. He wasn't really in this. About <laughs> I just want to make it clear because everyone else was. About yes. gambling and greed. Except for Nog and Rom and Jake and Cassidy. Yes, this is what happened Lena offline. 
and Garrick Except and Goldicott. Every single other of the 900 characters. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of characters that weren't in this one either, but it is weird that Odo wasn't. Uh, and O'Brien helps Worf do better at commanding dudes, I guess. But... Keiko and Molly. and Oh, yeah, those two. Those two Dude. are definitely in the show. Zach and Bront. Kai Wynn. Kai Wynn. <laughs> hey, is Shakar in this yet? He's no. been in it once, right? From when they went to that, from the guy went into that canyon, and then Shakar yeah. went, I would have done it myself. And I was like, No, you wouldn't. You just sat up there on the ridge line. How dumb it was. Anyway, I'm going to give it three for themes of things. <laughs> Is that okay? That's charitable, but fine. Who cares? Well, it themes of multiple things. <laughs> Maybe they executed real well. I hear a bird. Yeah, the birds don't understand daylight savings. <laughs> like, it's dark outside, but the birds are confused. I texted you the other day at 12.15. Just yeah, after going midnight. Last night. They were going last night at like 8 p.m. for sure. I was like, these fucking birds are messing up my shit. Why are they making this noise? All right. Execution. It's also been like rainy and then sunny, and I think that fucks them up. Um, I gave it a two. Okay. Cisco takes some wild risks. Which I only kind of talked about, but he makes like nine, he takes nine risky moves in a row. Like he refuses to cede anything to these Jem'Hadar. Um, but then he's MIA for most of the episode. It's a real great use of Avery Brooks. He lies on the floor and whispers a little. <laughs> he wasn't even directing this one, I don't think. Yeah, what's his excuse? Uh, it's hard to have any real character work when we have to go to all these different scenes. Like no one gets any time in. So even when they're like, emotionally progressing it happens so weirdly quick like no work goes into anything o'brien just goes hey why don't you lay off and Worf goes okay and then everything's fixed Worf is still mostly pretty unlikable bashir is still gross what is the lesson we're learning with quark is it that greed is good is it the gambling uh, is good is it that everybody's trying to get an edge I, like yeah is it don't get mad at me because everyone's bad I don't know what it is yeah and do Kira yeah. and Cisco need to be friends too isn't it enough that they work oh, well yeah, together for sure <laughs> like why is that a stakes thing like I don't care about that it's a good question I don't care my if they to- eat hot dogs together yeah, my boss told me it uh, comes down to Fremont a lot of the time, or Milpitas. Maybe give me a call sometime when you have have a beer. I was like, uh, sure, yeah, you have my number. Please, please never do. Don't please don't call me. Please don't call me. Please don't. It's definitely one that you. So I'm going to tell you a lot about my whole work process this week, and then you'll definitely you definitely will find out when you call me to say you're in Milpitas that I'm in Carmel or something. Yes, That's definitely. I will. Oh, sorry, buddy. I will forget that my phone is on silent miss the call and then text you three hours later saying oh totally missed your call yeah sorry about that <laughs> um yeah just a two for me i don't i don't i don't know what was why why they did this was it to save money why'd they do this uh i don't even think it was to save money mm. ben's a four mm. Uh, he says, what's the defiant doing there? They're trying to push democracy through capitalism. It, oh, it turned into a submarine movie. It the definitely Bash- felt like maybe Quark is interested in the trade part, but I definitely think Cisco is interested in turning someone on the Dominion. Doesn't it seem like it? Yeah. Um, 
The freezing Bashir and Dax scene was unnecessary, awkward, and badly acted. Mm. They couldn't do anything better than just pull a random wire. Yep. Uh, Kira's just talking to herself the whole time. I also gave it a four. Okay. I think, aside from the Karma guy that we don't care about, the pairings mostly work. I think the big problem is Worf. Why does he suck? He's worked with plenty of enlisted men in his career, probably even engineers. Including O'Brien. If they were making a point about how these aren't Enterprise-level crew so that this was part of Worf's getting used to DS9 arc, then maybe. But as it is, it just seems like Worf has no command experience. Yeah. And he needs to learn how to use people the right way, and he's getting this advice from Chief (laughs) O'Brien, who's been in charge of five people for two years or something at this point. Yeah. Um, Also, that... If they're saying that they're not enterprise level, then it brings it back to the question that makes us crazy every week about DS9, which is why don't they care? Why is right. this not an important posting? They keep sending the ship into the gamma quadrant. Shouldn't they try to do a good job? Yeah. Just put I, some real staff there. Jesus. Yeah. No, it's a very, it's again, it's too distracting to really think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dax and Bashir seem like they're stepping back from where they were last week when she knew she could make him go to dinner and third wheel her with her ex-wife. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're supposed to do with Kira and Cisco. really. Like, he's her Jesus Christ. <laughs> What's the analog for this relationship in our lives? <laughs> yes. G- going to work for someone you idolize? Yeah, I guess. That's not a normal thing that people do no, all the time. I don't even know who that would be. Is there anyone left? Uh... Is there anyone to idolize? Uh, people like Terry Crews a lot. <laughs> it's true. You went to work for him, and then you're like, oh, we're not becoming friends. Yeah. You just, I can't get close to him. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, submarine movies are generally good and tense, just like Star Trek Two, And this isn't actually bad. It's just an also ran for me. Okay. All right. Uh, world building. I give it a four. Oh. Uh, we have the Cisco Versary party. Sure, well, that's got to be wild. Bajoran Tetrion sonar, atmospheric probe, sick bays on deck two. Carmen's make uh, torpedoes for the Gem Hadar. The deflector dish can do anything. Yeah, Cisco takes real hot dogs into the Hollow Suites. He makes Quark make hot dogs for him, <laughs> and then he takes them with him into the Hollow Suites to watch fake baseball. Yep. Oh, you don't know? He has him stitching up baseballs in the back there, too. He brings in a bucket of balls. And then whatever the Federation is trying to do with this uh, trade agreement, where they're just constantly tweaking the Dominion's nose. Yes. They are... I, I don't know what their Dominion strategy is. But they've been in the Gamma Quadrant eight times since the big blow-up with the Dominion, yeah. so it should not be a surprise. They definitely are pushing... They're habitual line steppers, yes. as you have said already this week. Yeah, it's like they went, well, Warp's joining the show now, so all that Dominion stuff, that's going back onto the back burner. But then also we're going to constantly have Starfleet in the Gamma Quadrant doing shit, because what are we going to do? Always have them doing stuff on Bajor? No one wants to know about Bajor. Uh, Ben's a two on world building. He asks the question, why would these uh, Karma be willing to buck the Jem'Hadar? We would... They're real scared of those guys, so the reward must be great. I would like to know as well. This should have worked its way into the show. This should have been part of Quark's argument to this guy that he wasn't just an above the board businessman mm-hmm. because this is a big risk that they're taking. Yeah, that's the gamble. Makes, 
it kind of only makes sense if you're a gambler and maybe and you're willing to definitely do stuff that's not above board. Yeah, like this is the big gamble. This is the perfect yeah. thing to talk about if you're going to talk about uh, whatever Quark's point is about gambling. Uh, so he's a two on world building. Uh, I was a three. Uh, the Karma trade agreement with the Federation and the Ferengi. I didn't realize it was a twofer. Like, how does this work? The Ferengi are managing it on a technicality. Okay. That's why the, the reason the Ferengi are there is so that the Karma don't have a direct agreement with the Federation. Okay. Class J gas giant. We never see any of the crew train ever, but they know how to fly the Defiant into the atmosphere and shit. So they must study at some point. Well, if there's one thing you know for sure, Worf's been doing since he put boots on the deck here, he's been making them run drills. Okay, well, Kira must have been involved because she's the one who gets the ship ready to fly into the atmosphere. Ah, that's a good. That's also a good point. And they apparently don't train in emergency medicine because Kira's got no idea. Uh, I mean, she stops the bleeding on the outside. Yeah, but then she head. reads his inside bleeding and goes, oh. does this instrument, can I go woo-woo-woo over him? Is it going to, does it work? This is only good if you get a spiky crystal in your butt. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But you still have to turn it on for it to work in that scenario. That scene. Wow. Hey, he was going to kill his daughter. Yeah, don't worry, though. They're going to have a nice fucking laugh in that cave uh sonar up in this gas giant um after being specifically told to go into uh oh after being specifically told that the Jem'Hadar will detect their echolocation systems and that is the danger cisco tells the crew to go into silent running for some reason uh-huh i mean because submarines that's the reason also they can hear you but like can they get their story straight i thought the only danger was they were going to detect the the sonar Yep, well, they have to do silent running. Uh, does Worf outrank Kira? Is he still just a lieutenant commander, or is he a full commander? He's not a commander. Mm, Depend on seniority, but she's been a major since the beginning of Deep Space Nine. When did he make lieutenant commander? In the Generations movie. Oh, boy. So it has you not wouldn't been think long. so, huh? And... He seems to be in charge of the whole operation when Cisco goes down, and he gives her orders. But you I know, command of the Defiant might be part of his job there. It could be. I just I I, I was confused by what exactly their structure is. How does she? Fit I mean, in? it's a Starfleet ship too. Like, there's probably a, yeah. They no one thought about it. Don't worry. Yeah, that's that's the real point. But he's telling her he's giving her orders on the way out the door to go to engineering and shit. Um. O'Brien's whole crew is non-cons who, for some reason, aren't used to taking orders. Do Maybe she lost uh, some defiant privileges after she let Riker seduce her onto that ship. <laughs> well, she, well, that's a tough one. I, I mean, mean, everybody everybody said, I mean, I get it, but come on. Even O'Brien got yelled at for no reason and just went, <laughs> I probably deserved it. I, just, I know. I do know what I did. You know why. But yeah, I know. Uh, it's because I'm a fat Irish piece of shit. I know. <laughs> I get it. I got low self-esteem about it. Don't worry. Internalizing it my whole life. Uh, anyway, I couldn't. You say it's they weren't being used right. To me, it felt like the non-cons weren't used to like taking a bunch of orders from people, and I was like, "That's what non-cons do." That don't make sense. That's all they do. <laughs> it usually wouldn't come. Probably usually wouldn't come directly from a lieutenant commander. But no, still. was that scarier for them? I don't know. I guess he's big too. He's a Klingon. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Uh, like you said, more shooting stuff out of the deflector. Yeah, three for me. Um. 
characterization. Um, ben has it as a two. Quark is shown to equate business to gambling. Again, I wasn't clear what he was talking about. He was just trying to salvage a fucking bad relationship that he fucked by pushing too hard. I think that's right. I think he got caught being a dick, and then it was just diarrhea of the mouth the whole time. (laughs) It seemed like it. Because he's like, first he's talking about how everyone's trying to get an edge, so cheating's fine, but then he goes from cheating to like the thrill of doing business, but then that changes into the thrill of gambling. Yeah. And you're like, well, oh, he really doesn't know. It's like when you, it's like in a debate when somebody gets put on the spot and they just start talking about random shit. Or any time a beauty pageant contestant gets yes. asked a question. Any question of any kind. He started, when he started talking about USA Americans, you knew it was bad news. Yeah, dude. And, you know, the Rockies don't have maps. They don't have, maps. The fuck. <laughs> they don't have maps. And, uh, <laughs> Jesus. Um,. Anyway, it was a two for for Ben. Um, Here's what I got. Worf is a stern boss. Like in Conundrum, Worf just takes charge, giving orders to Kira and everybody else out there. But maybe he is in charge. I don't know. O'Brien teaches him how to be... Uh, He didn't learn anything from Conundrum. He did have to apologize to Picard, but he didn't really learn anything. No, Picard should have been more angry about it. Maybe he would have learned then. Uh, O'Brien teaches him how to be a, a softer touch with these dudes. In the end, he's like, I don't know, take your time on these repairs. I don't care. Good job. You do it. It's up to you. Uh, Kira wishes Cisco would take his emissary duties more seriously. Um, <laughs> she's nervous around near corpses, too. Or maybe it's just like near martyrs, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, she, maybe. She's sad about the double separation between her and Cisco. Uh, but in the end, they're buddies. Quark is a, a swindler, I mean, obviously, but he proves to this Karma guy that there's uh, there's something else back there. Some other kind of slime, I think. He's slimy in multiple ways. Yeah. And he believes in the thrill of commerce and the thrill of gambling. Dax smiles like a weirdo when Cisco acts cool on the bridge. At one point, Cisco <laughs> says a cool line about what he's going to do to the Jemadar, and she's just sitting there smiling at her station like, yeah, that's my buddy, Ben Cisco, Yeah. We definitely fucked in an alternate universe. I know it. <laughs> he told I me. Know it. He told me. He got I back probably he just did said tell it. her. Ugh. <laughs> um, she's mostly just shiver acting otherwise. So not much out of her character. Um, O'Brien. Well, she had a lot to do last week. It's fine. O'Brien also smiles like a weirdo when Cisco tells him he has 10 minutes to rig up the fancy atmospheric torpedoes instead of the 20 minutes O'Brien originally quoted him. Like, <laughs> I love it. I love commanding officers. I don't know what engineering is, and I'm bad at it. Yeah. I was tactical officer. <laughs> then I was transporter chief. I was a raw private who shot Cardassians. <laughs> I'm qualified. I'm a tinkerer now. I got promoted too fast. <laughs> um, Bashir seals himself away with Dax on the bad deck, because I guess because he has emotions about her still. I don't. He, I don't know why he did it. Yeah. Anyway, it was a three for me. It was a three for me also. Kira thinks that Cisco's keeping her at arm's length while praying for him to live because he's the emissary. That's not super self-aware. <laughs> right? But he hears her and invites her to his dumb hobby anyway. Mm-hmm. He could have gone to like a church service with her, though. He ain't gonna do that. He ain't gonna do he's that. He's not interested. 
Bashir seems to realize his old behavior was a little shitty, but then it seems like Jadzia lets him off the hook. So, you know, men in the writer's room. Mm-hmm. But I don't get Worf. He was a lot better in command roles on the Enterprise. Is it just because Defiant doesn't have a blue room? Dude, you remember when Worf had the cool idea to be captain of the Enterprise to trick the Tong? Uh-huh. Fucking Worf was so cool in the past. Yeah, season one Worf was the best Worf. Uh, two weeks in a row without Odo. What, what's up? Yeah, he was in the scene in the end being gruff with Zephram Cochran guy. Or, yeah, but not in a way that matters yeah, or counts. But just to be like, I'm in it too. I also am still employed. You and I both wear a lot of face makeup and have gruff voices. It could have been me. Really points out that I could have been the <laughs> B-side to Quark's story in this episode. Definitely should have been me in this whole episode with Quark. It's not clear why it wasn't. I have some quick hitters. Do it. Uh, first of all, uh, Ben recognized our, our old boy James Cromwell, mm-hmm. Zachary Cochran himself. Uh, he says the two torpedoes must be the slowest moving torpedoes ever. It took three seconds to go 100 meters. There is a countdown. Yeah. Where it's 100 meters, 50 meters, 25 meters. And like, wait a minute. Yeah. They, um, they, Do they know how big a meter is? <laughs> they, made, they made them out of some atmospheric tor- atmospheric probes. And I, my only yeah. guess is those must be slow as shit. But I only have a couple. Uh, what's up with this trade agreement? Does the Federation need this so badly that they're willing to get in bed with the Ferengi? Mm. Is it just to stake a little claim in the Gamma Quadrant? And then what the fuck does all stop mean in the atmosphere of a planet? <laughs> Hover, I guess. Yeah. Hover over a central position uh, to relative to the planet's core. <laughs> relative to the planet's rotation? It may not have a solid core? It's hard to say. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real poser. Yeah. But, you know, the order all stop and they just go, all right, beep, beep, beep. They also, beep, boop, boop. at one point, go, surface, surface! <laughs> they should have. There should have been more klaxons, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's literally all I have. Did you have a couple? No. I gave uh, I gave Best Actor to Kira managing to smile as she puts on Cisco's used hat. <laughs> and uh, Worst Actor to uh, Hanok and Quark's Torpedo Comedy Hour. Uh, Unless that thing was off-gassing paint fumes, they shouldn't have been laughing so much. I thought they were going to say that. They were laughing so much that I thought then Quark was going to say these gases are making us laugh. No, uh, it was just like when Ducat sat on that shard <laughs> yeah, everyone and everyone had, a, had a big laugh about it. Or like when Wesley got ice cream on him. Or when Wesley got ice cream on him. The Frakes, they didn't tell Frakes that was in the show, so he got really excited. Give me them quick hits. No, I don't have any. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> We've done more than enough of this. I don't want to do it anymore. Well, the numbers are in. Okay, who did it? Fifth place this week with a grand total of 16 points. This is one worse than they scored last week. Oh, boy. Voyager with random thoughts. Yo, what is... Oh, come on, guys. Yeah, the show was supposed to get better when 7 and 9 came aboard, but... Then now they just have her as the mouthpiece for the show being better, and just Janeway saying, no. <laughs> she just said, I don't care. Like, no, I'm good. Uh, fourth place this week with 21 points, uh, Enterprise Stormfront Part 2. Mm. Third place this week with 23 points, Deep Space Nine Starship Down. Man, I just realized that means next week I have to watch Voyager and Enterprise in a row again. Yeah. A wild second place with only 24 points. Ooh. TOS, the Savage Curtain. Oh, bro, I just looked at the numbers. 
They're, they're not, extremely bad. They're not good numbers. <laughs> they're very, very bad. And the winner this week with 31 points, oh, no. which is, again, statistically the average. Oh, no. TNG, Suddenly Human, notches their 30th win on Suddenly Human. Is that my fault? Uh, you were three points above me on this oh, one, but for sure. You also but had that would not have first. been enough to... Even if you had scored at 14, it still would have been first. Yeah, we each had it first. Um, yeah. uh, have we ever had a winner as bad as 31? Oh, yeah. We had... Uh, the minimum a winner has been is 27. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That must have been a real garbage week. I would assume so. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, this was a bad week, though, for sure. Not good. Um, hey, are they going to get good? Uh, well, it depends on how the following episode titles grab you. No, no. Uh, for TOS, second to last episode, All Our Yesterdays. No. A time travel episode and i remember nothing about it i don't feel good about it tng remember me um i mean there's a lot of wild stuff in that episode but i don't know how much of it counts for anything so dr bevs gets caught in a thought warp bubble of her own making yep and thinks she's getting gaslit and we get approximately three minutes of content outside the warp bubble yep there's a couple of scenes where wesley's trying to get his mom back mm-hmm Deep Space Nine, you, you, you led with the big news. It's Little Green Men. We're going to Roswell. We're going to Roswell. It turns out it's Ferengis. We're going to get a lot of ROM next week. I hope everyone's ready. Voyager, concerning flight. Well, that's a concerning title. <laughs> it is. Jesus. <laughs> maybe it's the one where they build the Delta Flyer. Maybe. Maybe it's not. We'll see. Maybe they'll go Warp 10 again. I don't know. We are well out of the realm of episodes I've seen. <laughs> I honestly have no memory of, of what, what's the one where, what that could be. What's the one where they enter a race and Kim and Paris put on race jumpsuits? I mean, I think they either build the Delta Flyer for that or they already have it. So Okay, cool. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see what that is. Uh, and then Enterprise, I think it's their version of family home. Hmm. It's not They're gonna... back to Earth. Things are normal. It's not going to be What's as up? good. It's not going to be as good. Oh, I, would have, I imagine not. I imagine not. Are we going to go back to Brazil? That's where they found Hoshi, right? Yeah, that's where he picked her up. She was working in Brazil. Okay, I don't really know. There is some good news. <gasps> we have a couple of good episodes coming up. Okay, I'll believe uh, it when I see it, but okay. <laughs> uh, we have Reunion in week 80. Okay... We have wait, Future Imperfect in week 81. Which one's Legacy? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> What's uh, normally next I'm, week? Normally I'm better at these TNGs. Which one's Legacy? Oh, it's Ashara Yar. It's Ashara Yar. Oh, Ashara Yar oh, next the, week. I'm going to have uh, week after next. 36 pages of notes. Oh, <laughs> that's going to be great. Uh, Future Imperfect is after that. Final Mission. Mm. Uh, then The Loss and Data's Day. Those are not so good. No. Uh, but then The Wounded. Yeah. Devil's Do, Clues. Devil's Do is a crazy courtroom episode that I, we may yeah, enjoy. Yeah, I don't yep, know. Yep, yep. Clues could be fun. Clues could be fun. First Contact. Uh, first Contact. Yeah. Galaxy's Child. Galaxy's is, Child's not so good. It's going to be Night awkward Terror's for Jordy. So it's a real mixed bag, actually, yep. the rest of this season of TNG, it appears. The Drumhead but, uh, in 94. The, the Drumhead's in week 94, yeah. so... We do have to get through Roswell. We do have to get through the last two 
TOS is. And but, week uh, 97 is the last Enterprise, so. Yeah, week 97 will be the last episode of Enterprise, and uh, and then we'll be... Smooth sailing. I mean, that's, that's the rest of this year, for sure, yeah. but still. After that, though, it's going to be Crescent Fresh. Everyone's going to ride Crescent Fresh from here on out. <laughs> from here on out. <laughs> Next week's a mailbag week. Yeah, send us mail, people. That's um, at Brother Date on the Twitter machine. We're still doing flags. We're gonna have to That's do right. flags. Did has uh, has Barry checked not in? Yet. Okay. Not yet. Don't know who won those two battles. He's got a week, so. he's got a week or whatever. Um. Uh. Yeah. Go to the website. That's the brotherdate.com. Send us some emails, brothers at brotherdate.com. You can check us out on the iTunes and podcatchers that catch iTunes pods. Uh. Is there anything else saying going on? As you believe, so shall you do. So shall you do. As you believe, so shall you do. Plus one dog. Purchase your dog. Computer. Beam up for my security efforts. Computer. Uniform for one dog. I'd like to trade you a liter of Voyager's warp plasma for this dog. Please subscribe.